0: Welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and puts stitches in the head of one of the most important eras of wrestling history. I am your host, Dave, and today we're going to be looking at Halloween Havoc 1998, the Halloween Havocs always being some of my favorite ones to cover. I can't do this alone. I'm part of a faction that will never split up like the Wolfpack in uh, black and white. First, Fergus Looney, how are you doing? Warriors, speak
1: to me. Um, yeah, I'm pretty good stealing my gimmick. Oh, I, I didn't know, where. I was nearly going to ask Dave to be like, can I go second? I went, no, <laughs> no, because it might be used. But yeah, I, I'm pretty good. My brain is m- melted by this month. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was difficult.
0: And maybe someone that, whose brain hasn't been as melted as much by the Warrior Madness. Connor Donna, how you keeping, man?
2: Hey, yo, Dave. I'm keeping, alright. This is a fun time to go back into my wrestling fandom because this is when I'm watching week to week. I'm watching WWF. I'm watching WCW. I'm watching shock on Saturday. Now I'm watching thunder. I have wrestling magazine subscriptions. Like I'm doing it all. Like I'm all in at this point. I'm going to my first pay-per-view this month for WWF. It just brings back that 98 good vibes for me. And oh man, I'm I'm, I'm loving, loving the, the rose tinted glasses were all the way on this week and (laughs) can't wait to talk about the show.
0: I remember always picking the uh, Halloween Havoc background oh, yeah. on uh Revenge. Every time. Every time. The, yeah. the Tombstone
1: Tyrotron, perfect. P-todron. It is the, the pinnacle of pay-per-view set. For oh, sure.
2: yeah. The fucking dry ice coming out of the nose of the, the monster. Of the gargoyle.
0: It's amazing. How much money do you think they spend on dry ice? On, on this pay-per-view. Don't care. It's worth <laughs> it. doesn't it. matter. I
1: mean, they yeah. use plenty of fire extinguishers through the month anyway. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better It's better than wasting money on their helicopter budgets,
2: which they do frequently. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very
0: true. This is a long one, about three hours, 3.10 in running time. Uh, and it covers a lot of what's happening on the Nitros in the matches. But there's one thing that we haven't, we're not going to see and not going to talk about in the pay-per-view. So I'm going to turn it over to Gus. Something very interesting has been developing on the Nitros.
1: Yeah, I'm sure for anybody who's listened, they may have noticed that there's one particular, well, standard bearer of the WCW who hasn't been around. That's Ric Flair. He's been back for over a month now. Uh, clearly, the the storyline is not important enough to be on a pay-per-view, but it is important enough to be on every single Nitro with Eric and Rick going back and forth. Much less, like, mention it or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's bizarre. It, Eric's haircut gets more of a mention on this pay-per-view than the, uh, than the horseman.
2: Horace Hogan gets more mentions <laughs> than
1: Flair. Hey, that's important. That's that's a big <laughs> deal. True, true. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, the horseman attempt... Well, first, they attempt to reinstate Rick. I don't know if you remember from the last pay-per-view. They, made, they briefly mentioned that Eric is going to arm wrestle Ar- Arn for Ric Flair to return to wrestling. Of course... He never said he had to arm wrestle him. It turns out it was Buff Bagwell, and he absolutely stomps Iron. It's it's a really really sad end to oh, to okay. a show where they just kind of, he just gets beaten really badly, and Buff is perfect heel in his face, just kind of going, "You suck. I'm the best. Buff is the stuff." And it's like, oh. So um, after that, we have a month of. The back and forth now as Rick is determined to take back WCW. Arn continuously refers to every place they go to as horsemen towns and that they're going to reclaim WCW back as their rifle owners. Some different variations on that over and over.
2: Sounds familiar, no? Mm. So, so, uh, <laughs> so can we? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the promo kind of. Uh, <laughs> what? The, the really
1: overly suggestive one? Or. Ah, uh, the, the you know the actual good promo that is emotional first and
2: very well done.
1: Yeah, yeah. The first yes. one, the first one is excellent. Yeah, they they bring Arn comes out to the ring. He brings down Chris and Dean and Mongo, and he has these like very heartfelt words for each and every one of them and how important and they was, are to people. This was the reveal of Dean becoming a horseman, right? Yeah. So they well, he basically says that in my eyes, you've always been a horseman, kind of thing. So whether or not, so they kind sure, of say he is, but. They don't say. Okay.
2: But, they, but the audience didn't know this pr- previously, though.
1: No. And then, so they do like a really, really lame fake reveal because they're like, oh, I forgot about somebody. And they bring out Flair. They're all in tuxes. Flair comes out. He's like very, very passionate about it. He, spe- he speaks very clearly and gives out about Eric a lot. He keeps saying abuse of power. He gets so into his promo, he bites his own lip and and starts bleeding from the mouth. Comes You're down. a liar. You're a kink! <laughs> abuse of power is (laughs) is all I have stuck in my head and uh, yeah really he's just upset with Eric and that like he's not taking care of the company and all that kind of stuff really really good promo
2: yeah a a really subtle detail that I really like is they have like the lights kind of dimmed something that really isn't like done for most promos so this whole segment was like I don't know like probably one of the top
1: moments of Nitro of the year easily it's definitely one of the better presented ones for sure For once, there's like, there's no running, there's no interference, there's no shenanigans, they just get to do their their thing. And Tony just lets it, as he he even admits it, like,
2: yeah, I'm just gonna let this one breathe, thank you, good. You're like, good, don't talk over this.
1: So yeah, they're, they, they, like, battle lines are drawn, essentially, and for the next couple weeks, the horsemen are constantly trying to get into the arena, and Eric is trying to make sure that they don't file restraining orders against all of them, except for Dean... They're, they never really explain exactly why Dean doesn't have a restraining order, I guess because he's not part of the old horseman. And so he doesn't have anything to do with all the past transgressions or something. I don't know. Nobody worries about Dean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it means Dean gets to wrestle, which is cool. So mm. there's that. Do you remember Connor who, what Chicago celebrity they, in they get in, tr- in with when oh, they visit Chicago? So they go to the United center. Uh, Eric is determined to not let them inside the building. Because okay. he's leased the building, and I'm going to make sure that nobody gets in. So he gets told that the horsemen have arrived, and they they all get out of the limousine. And then it's Bruce Wurtz MacArthur, who is part of the consortium that owns the Bulls, Blackhawks, and the building. He's okay. s- several rungs down the line of, like, whoever's in charge or whatever. Yeah, but apparently Wurtz family some, is complete garbage to you, by he's the way. some uh, big... Big wrestling fan because he gets to have his own promo and everything on Eric. He's like, oh, really? I don't care if you think you own, you've leased the building. I own the building and we're going to my skybox, which is exactly what they do. So he gets to go into the building and then like Eric decides that he's fed up with them. But rather than like going backstage and then going to the to the room, to the skybox, he goes through the crowd with security so when they cut, they do this cut where he disappears into the crowd and then he reappears in the, in the back. And he is covered in what, in what only, I assume, can be tons and tons of soft drinks. Because <laughs> his hair is all slicked back, his leather jacket is wet, and, his, and he's like makes his way down to the skybox. He gets met by this guy again, Bruce Wirtz. And he's like, I want them out of here. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I own the building. And then Eric makes the mistake of touching this guy and this all hell breaks loose. The security like grab him by the ankles. This is sounding familiar now. And yeah. then pull him all the way out of the arena. And when I say all the way out, you see every single bit of this. Yeah, Changing to raw right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's really it. Like it doesn't really go anywhere. There, there's been no physical interaction. There's been no mention of Rick coming back to wrestle mongo hasn't been on the show although we've done in big promos that's it iron cuts a, b- a few promos and the so the horsemen are back and they're claiming they're going to take back wcw but it's just meandering really at the moment
2: like what do you guys think of this whole angle really because like we're this this heads down to bischoff and flair facing off do you think this is like a good idea do you think this is like a good good direction to go to
0: I like the idea of using the IP of the Horseman. I don't like that it's going to center around like Eric Flair. I kind of like the idea that someone's actively hunting WC, uh, sorry, uh, NWO stables. So like taking back territory. You can act kind of like they won the initial war and now the WCW failed. Horsemen are going to set it right or whatever. So I get all that and it makes for some interesting stuff but I don't really want to see a bunch of Eric Flair stuff to be honest and that that's as you said, where it leads, or and it's where it feels like it's leading from what's happened already. Yeah,
2: that's what happens at Starcade. Yeah. I, I I bring it up because I know, I know I kind of know what happens, with where Flair goes, and I understand wanting to strip like Eric of his power. But again, it's, it's one of those things in wrestling where once in a lifetime, or you know, Vince McMahon's never going to come back, signs a contract in blood or whatever, comes back in like one month or whatever. It's yeah it's
1: hard to bring these promises to actually stick and then this is just another example of it. I think for me what the problem is is that a, a lot of it's based in stuff that hasn't really happened on screen.
2: Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. seem to be talking Ooh. about
1: actual legal issues and whatever and you're just like, most fans don't know that.
2: Yeah, it's the whole so, disco, Jacqueline, yeah. Thing. So
1: it, it, it just looks it's a bit thin at the moment. Like there's no real reason why Eric is doing anything other than he just feels like being a dick. And People have plenty of dicks on the show, so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a very good point. The following week, they essentially say they're going to murder and Eric's kids and stuff like that, so. Fantastic. <laughs> There's a really, really poorly, poorly worded promo from all of them because they all get to say a couple of words and it's all horrible. I get fired for missing my kid's wrestling match? Oh, man, I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> that, I did forget to mention that Rick, Rick's kid, Reed, does show up yeah Oh, okay. Eric. This is the f- yeah. This is the famous promo. Yes. <laughs> so he does like a couple of takedowns on on Eric. Like I will say, like for all the faults of Eric, and I'm I'm sure there are many. Eric is always very willing to get beaten. Like like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't be a, a sap about it and try not he, to. He, he gets know, his comeuppance. Yeah, he gets comeuppance quite regularly uh, over this month. So
0: there's also one issue I think I have with this at all Alway, uh, or always have with the Horseman. They're not good faces. Like you're bringing it up. With, in this time period. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing it up with you know them wishing death on Eric's children and stuff. Now we're with the very edgy attitude era kind of crowd that cheer a lot of things that would not be cheered anymore, and maybe over the history of wrestling would not be seen as face actions. But even then, just the demeanor of the people we're talking about. You know, Mongo, Dean, fucking Arn. It doesn't scream cheer me, you know what I mean?
1: No. I think the only other point that really needs to be mentioned is that so much of this feud, I guess you've got to call it, uh, doesn't even take place in arenas a lot of the time. It's like backstage in like the parking lot or it's in a hall or it's in a room or it's off site entirely. It's not directly connected to fans a lot of the time, so they don't get to see directly what's happening. They're probably staring at a screen. 200 meters away from them, that kind of thing. It's so not um, no reactions? Like so, that. yeah, it's harder. I'm sure people are reacting, but it it's harder to know how it's going, I'd say, for those people. And it's just all a bit detached. Mm-hmm. WCW, particularly this month, has been... I don't know if they were the first to start doing this or if they're copying WWF at the moment. I don't know. I, I honestly can't remember the timeline, but there are so many backstage segments. There are so many things that are shot off the arena entirely uh scott and kevin's feud in particular i can go over that later multiple segments of that aren't e- even close to in the arena and so yeah i want to say it's a copy of wwf then that that's is my it, that's my assumption but not having watched not, my memory isn't good enough to know who's first well, i can tell so. you so around
2: here is <laughs> you know we have the
1: corvette we have the zamboni we have well, zamboni. all
2: that stuff yeah All that's around this like two month period. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of that going on a lot. So real quick, I guess, give me a quick summary of the LWO then.
1: I'm sorry. The (laughs) low. This is the follow up to Eddie's problems with, with Eric at the start of the month. Eric is like, I banish you to Japan, making it sound like wrestling in Japan is like a terrible thing to do. I don't think that's aged very well, but anyway, er, uh, after saying he couldn't be on TV and stuff, obviously Eric is too distracted. So Eddie shows up on, on shows and he interfere. He doesn't interfere actually, to be fair. He just shows up after a match ends and he pleads cases with the various Mexican wrestlers to be like, you're better than this. Eric is treating you terribly. Join up with us; we can be pe- better together. It's essentially a union, uh, <laughs> by the sounds of it. Uh, it's ba- like the bad guys. Yeah, he's like <laughs> I want to get better conditions for us all, better pay, better respect. Like that's really what it boils down to. It all sounds great, other than the fact that the people who join it are not meaningful in, uh, at all. He he offers a shirt to Ray, and he Ray says no.
0: <laughs> so, that's a good start. That's a good start. But that, that's What later about on? El
1: Dandy? We need to know about So El yeah, Dandy. It's like the first matches. Uh, Damien and Hector Garza, who I don't think had been on the show in months. Our boy! I love, <laughs> and, I love Hector. <laughs> and uh, they had their match and then Eddie came out and he gave them both shirts. And then they followed up with Al Dandy and La Parka who yes. has been great every single time he's well, been on the show.
0: La Parka might be the only over one besides Eddie out of that group, right? Yeah.
1: In between, he's like, Chavo has been in matches with the people who get offered shirts and he always <laughs> thinks he's going to get one. But then doesn't, and then he just runs off, really annoyed, talking that's, to Pepe. Fantastic! That's <laughs> just amazing. <brilliant>. Oh my <laughs> it's God. absolutely brilliant. And like Eddie treats him like complete dirt; like he just doesn't acknowledge him. As, as so, like he's like, "What? Why did you think I was going to give you a shirt?" Kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah, they they are they, they tried offering it to Ray. That's the last moment, um, and Ray said no. But they didn't do anything to him. They just let him leave. Uh, they haven't done actually done anything. Just like they haven't shirts. attacked anybody. They haven't interfered. They had a match together, uh, minus Eddie. Eddie didn't wrestle, and that's it so far. Sounds great. But they so- already got the shirt. They did the, fir- the the thing right. They got the they got the merch sorted first, so they can start selling <laughs> shirts and get the branding up, and then go from there. <laughs>
0: This sounds fantastic. You've described it perfectly. It's just a union. It's just a nice thing happening in wrestling. Let's all try and get better working
1: conditions. I, d- I doubt Ooh. it's going to go go near. Well, it's probably going to go as well as most unions go. But <laughs> <laughs> yep, the union busting stable.
0: <laughs> it's just Bishop. Just end up you. Yeah, there's a lot more we can go over from the Nitros, but we're probably going to talk about them during the matches. It is just very notable that such a meaningful kind of angle gets zero mention on Halloween Havoc, one of the big pay-per-views, and we really wanted to review it a little bit before we delved into the pay-per-view. Now for the pay per view itself, Halloween Havoc, and we get a very weird opening, kind of this blurry vignette full of like slow mo visuals, mostly of Hogan and Warrior. I guess it's supposed to be spooky, as this very overdramatic operatic music. And it also covers some of the other main eventers some of the last couple of
1: matches. I would like to introduce you to every single WCW promo package from now on. Oh god, <laughs> all, they are—they just constantly fill the shows now with these style packages. There is never any like commentary about what's going on and there's just generic stuff i don't know if they play the horseman one on the pay-per-view later but that has like power man 5000 style music no i would i would i would have noted that one yeah Yeah. (laughs) i and that's probably the best one of it because it kind of has like a gnarly riff going on in the background and it just shoots words in front of the screen. It says, pain and de- determination. <clears throat> you they're like, okay. I, if you didn't know it was the Horseman, like, if you were a new person, you wouldn't have a clue what was going on.
0: Alternatively, to such a weird opening. Uh, the stage looks amazing. They have this, like, nice, ominous, spooky music going on. The crowd are going crazy. They have a giant, like, gargoyle or ghoul holding this pumpkin and I thought they were just boat inflatable, but the, the gargoyle kind of moves the pumpkin around a little bit. It's in the MGM Grand in Vegas, and the crowd are just, it's they're packed in there. It's hot. The atmosphere is fantastic This show. Comedy dream, as usual, they're playing up the villainy of Hogan and the hot streak of Goldberg. They're talking about how Hogan beat Horace, his dead brother. They say dead brother so many times in this <laughs> pay-per-view. They really have to emphasize how dead Hulk Hogan's brother is at this stage, which I, yep. I didn't know about. For a moment, much. I was like, did Hogan kill
2: Horace or something? Like, <laughs> yeah. For some reason, my mind went towards that. I I, I knew where they were going
0: with it. but Yeah, but they uh, he beats down Horace to make an example out of him and leaves uh, Stitches. I, I don't know if the Stitches are kayfabe or not. I couldn't tell later. Shoot. Shoot. Got to sell that stitches. angle, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Hogan like, brutalizes Horace to make an example out of him next to the it's to show his descending madness into a warrior I suppose, and maybe prop him up a little bit for the pay-per-view and that he's maybe a threat to Warrior. What
1: warrior said he needed to sacrifice different parts of himself to survive or something like that. Um, I don't know. Warrior is very confusing to listen to, I promise. <laughs> I bet. Do you, do you feel calling back to a match that was
2: over eight years ago?
0: Not in your company.
2: I mean, do you feel like that was the best way to do it?
1: <laughs> I mean, it could have been explained a lot more clearer and simpler as opposed to repeatedly using the word malfeasance. Uh, <laughs> sure. There is a kernel in it that actually would work, I think, in that Warrior is trying to... he do, Like, he does get it across. It's just so stupidly worded that when he beat Hogan, he became the ultimate ideal of, like, a fighter, or in his case, a warrior. And he's come back because he is upset at what has happened to Hogan. He's He doesn't like that Hogan has lost his way. And he, he's going to like show him the error of his ways by beating him and hopefully returning him to his true state. That's what he's trying to get across. Now, <laughs> I don't think half the crowd ever gets that. And uh, having yeah, and
2: commentary don't really no, they don't get it. And then more. all
1: the magic tricks and and bullshit doesn't help. <laughs>
0: so. I, I think the big problem is they've done it before. Like this was kind of the same story uh, storyline that uh, Piper had. Maybe a bit more malice to Piper, and he didn't care about Hogan. But it's like I beat you once. You know, you never beat me. I'm the guy in that other place. Wink, wink. We all know that other place and where we were that did the job, and now I can do it again. Now, obviously, the overshadowing the the magic weirdness and overshadows this a bit, and makes it a bit different. But it it it's like we complained when this podcast started about uh, the WCW that kind of existed before the podcast, which was we have Hulk Hogan now. We should just do what WWF did for years and get a bunch of monsters to fight him, and he will always beat the monsters. They they have this new fresh thing. Why are they dragging the past into it all the time?
2: Is it really fresh now, though?
0: Maybe not absolutely, anymore. Absolutely not. Maybe not anymore. That's <laughs> it's fair. been two years. Where I just think... fresh his
2: brain putting a cheap mask over his eyes. And... <laughs> that's
0: so funny. Just halfway through commentary, putting a two cent mask and shed, what, does he shed trick or treat? No, boo. I think he just goes boo. boo. Yeah. He just goes boo, and he gets his ma- mask snapped by Shivani. Very, very weird moment. Shit hurts, man. <laughs> that would that hurt, yeah. Uh, and then we get our first of many appearances of the Nitro Girls on pay per view. I guess you're probably pretty bored of them at this stage, because are they very prevalent on Nitros? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you're probably seeing them at least once an hour. Uh, I
2: understand that on TV. Yeah, makes, I have no problem It with makes them. all the sense in the world. You want people to tune in just to check out what's going on. Pay-per-view to start your show. What is the point?
0: So I'm going to get into an overarching point with the Nitro Girls. I, I have no big kind of qualms with them, and I never mean to be too critical of them. It's not their fault that... They were just put out there to dance a bunch of different times, but this is an infamous pay-per-view for one big reason. The main event of Goldberg versus DDP wasn't broadcast. Ron Long and a bunch of places didn't run the pay-per-view. They had to, uh, run the uh, main event. They had to run it on Nitro, they had to refund millions of dollars in pay-per-views to people. In uh, yeah, the numbers
2: I've seen, it's like 20% of viewers or something like that, 25, 20, it's somewhere around there.
0: Get to see it or don't get to see it. Don't get, Don't get to see it. Don't get to see it. So a huge amount of people. Connor was discussing with this uh, this with us before. It is kind of boring. It sounds like a bigger deal than it is, but it seems to have been down to some just miscommunications. It's a live TV, it can happen. Saying that, there's a lot of complete nonsense on this pay-per-view, including I think the Nitro Girls come out four times. And it's like a minute each. And I'm gonna note some other matches and some other segments that eat a minute, eat two minutes, eat three minutes. The main event is only 15 minutes. Like, it's not many of these needed to be cut to get within time. So it seems like the time management of the company is really poor here trying to get everything everything in, including four us of the girls, I think, tonight.
2: To be fair to them, again, part of the miscommunication is they thought they had the time, so that's why they did the show like this. Now, yeah. obviously, why would you structure your show this way? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's... I don't want to get overcritical on it. As you said, this is actually right. a, a mess up on certain times and people were working with wrong information. It's not as big as of a blunder, it would seem. It, it oh, does... I mean, it's a
2: huge blunder because it costs them yeah.
0: lots oh, of money. But I, I mean, it's a huge blunder in that it cost them, but it's not a huge blunder if someone just, like, ignored timing or a wrestler went, yeah, I'm going to sure, make sure, my sure. match longer. It's a straight, someone was told they had three hours. They don't have three hours, you know. It's kind of as simple, simple as that. It's probably one well, or two person mistake.
1: I think it's it's, it's more a sense of uh, hubris on the part of the company. Yeah, because they just, as far as I'd read, they they told the pay per view companies, "Listen, it's we're asking for this extension to oh, do so we can do okay. however long." Just didn't check up on it that they the pay per view companies had agreed to it or not. But because they're so big at the moment and they're making so much money and everything's gone great, I think they just assumed that everything was fine and kosher. And they just went ahead and did it. Now, I also agree with you that there's probably the first half of this show doesn't even need to be on the pay-per-view. So I don't even know what they needed the extra time for. That can be brought up definitely for certain sections.
2: Oh, yeah. And before and to talk about it further, too, is there's a... Conspiracy theory about whether this was just a ratings ploy. What say you guys?
0: I wouldn't put that beyond some of the, think- <laughs> the thinkers in the company at that point. Yeah. To I be very either. honest.
1: I, I think that I'm going to go with Hanlon's razor here, which is like where there's malice. It's usually stupidity. Yeah. And because they've given away so many matches on TV recently, I don't think they're clever enough to think about it as a ratings play. I,
2: yeah. I think the other big note of contention too is that they never make this mistake ever again or they never did it before this time either it had to be just a freak accident which
0: is it I, seems like that's what it was i would say even if there was an accident there's probably a lies to cover it up right because sure. it is yeah we'll never know i think gus is yeah we'll never know the full truth because i think gus is correct it it's so strange that they asked for an extension and then we're like i'll say to them when they come up certain matches here are, Thunder match. We're not even talking nitro matches. There's thunder matches on this card.
2: Very accurate, yes.
0: Uh so why would they ask for an extension to put I'm just gonna throw out one of the matches without spoiling much, Lodi versus Perry Saturn. Why are we asking for it's usually two and a half hours, I think, these pay-per-views on average, and this is like 310, 315 Why are you asking for that much of an extension? And then going, you know what? Lodi deserves the pay-per-view paycheck. We have we've overlooked too much Lodi. Uh, so I feel like multiple <laughs> someone had to fuck up really big somewhere like, and the, the excuse is probably oh we didn't check if we got that extension I'm sorry.
1: How, how far in advance do you think they have to ask for this
0: yeah that's interesting probably a while right like this isn't just something you can snap do so I get I, I mean maybe in theory
1: maybe they wanted to do something with the horseman. they couldn't I just don't think they're clever enough to really think of it in a ratings sense I mean they did give away the start of Bret Hart versus Sting A week (laughs) ago. Mm -hmm. Mm. It was the main event of Nitro.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, too, because the match that gets broadcast on Nitro, it breaks a record for like a wrestling rating on TV. Oh, interesting. It's almost like two million more viewers than what Hogan versus Goldberg did that's astounding that i think that just <laughs> encapsulates how big wrestling is at this point
1: you'd never guess goldberg was a draw judging by how he's used Forget yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get there, yeah, Look we'll there. let me take a <laughs> let me take a sip of my drink <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more at the actual main event but i just thought again no offense to the nitro girls themselves they're, they're just doing their act as, as best they can but the, this was the first kind of Time waste, I have noted.
2: Oh, it's the first 13 minutes of the pay-per-view, Dave, too. Yeah, this right? isn't just don't the Nitro it, Girls, too.
1: Nothing yeah. on the show so far has been necessary. <laughs> Nor no. is the next segment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking of unnecessary. Oh, this next segment. <laughs> uh,
0: mean Gene All is out right. in front of the giant pumpkin, and he asks Rick Steiner to come on out. And Rick, of course, was ready to come out in his gear. Uh, he asks about the match versus Scott, but Buff interrupts and asks the crowd if they are sick of Big Papa Pump. Buff wants uh, to be on Rick's side. He says he has his back, and uh, the NWO won't play fair. Rick presses X for doubt, but Buff barks a bit, and that convinces him. (laughs) So this is coming from a Nitro angle uh, where we see Judy Bagwell, I guess, give out to her son for his life decisions that he's been making, and she's nursed him back to health, and this is what you're doing after you're back, from miraculously back from your neck injury, and Scott's kind of threatened, Judy Bagwell, not like, kind of. <laughs> just, yeah, like is is pretty bad to Judy, and is calling Buff a uh, like mama's boy, and there's friction between Buff and Scott, and this culminates in Buff coming in with a chair during uh, a moment with uh, Scott and Rick, and instead of hitting Rick, just swings full uh, tilt for Scott, who avoids the chair shot and scatters. But this, yeah, we're this has been building up to Judy seemingly convincing Buff to turn. And there's so many mentions of Judy Bagwell on this pay-per-view and so many jokes about her on commentary. It's it's fantastic. First off, this, of all
1: things, is the genesis of Big Papa Pump. Is your hookup? Holler if you hear me. (laughs) (laughs) Like a week after the Judy Bagwell thing where he's talking about taking care of women. He just slips in. He just figures it out and he has it. I'm a genetic freak. He has all the lines, all, all of it just appears out of nowhere. And that's, he Always starts. Always comes back to Judy. I love and it. And then he yeah. starts with a uh, big pop-a-pump is your hook o if you hear me. He just starts doing it in promos from then on. It's it's really funny. Like, to be fair, the, the Judy thing is kind of a cool moment. She, she does say some legitimate stuff, like you hurt your neck and you came crying for us and we took care of you, me and your father. Like, and this is how you, this is what you've chosen to do. And Buff's response responses, Hey, I take care of you guys with my money. I had to make a business decision, mm. but then, yeah, they get into an argument, him and Scott, cause Scott's unhappy with the fact that a woman was, uh, pushing him around and he's part of the MWO and it can't be like that. So you got to deal with your old bag of a woman. Who's a scallywag. That's direct quoting of Scott Steiner. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's just tension now. Uh, Buff doesn't agree with how Scott chose to treat his mother. He's upset with that. We're still supposed to be having this match. That's been, what, four months at this stage?
2: Yeah, so I, I wanted to go back. Uh, Dave kind of glossed over the beginning of the promo. I thought this was just so egregious that, you know, Gene, he, he sets up the promo like so great. Blood feud, brother versus brother. Rick, you're demanding this match. <laughs> you want it so bad right now. And then Rick just comes up. It's not brother versus brother. It's just
0: another opponent.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what sorry, the fuck, yeah. man?
0: You think because of their <laughs> not to spoil too much, but because of the result later, he's uh he's playing it down for some reason. Like he doesn't I want Scott know, to look bad. Like I like, don't
1: know. I, I I think his intent was to say like, hey, it's gone beyond. Like he's nothing to me anymore. So it's like just another day. I'm just going to handle my business kind of thing. But like, it's been this proper blood feud for so long. You kind of got to get over it. Rick first. I mean, we're not even talking about the Chucky thing either. I don't, I don't, oh. I don't know if we have time <laughs> for that. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to it later. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's mentioned the what
1: match, bothers right? me so much about this, right? Is this is a segment on the pay-per-view. This could, this could have been on any thunder easily yep. to sort out. Oh yeah. Also yep. the match is already signed. Like it's done. Nothing needs to be said anymore. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, you need you need myself in the corner. And then we obviously have the follow-up segment to
0: make it even stupider. Well, the follow-up segment will be in a bit, but that is, that is all sorts of stupid for sure. The first match of the night we finally get into is Raven versus Chris Jericho. Chris still being TV champ with the championship on the line. Commentary play up Raven losing his edge since losing the flock. After we saw Perry dismantle the flock and Raven tried to call them back out on a nitro, but Perry's just like, no, you're all free. You don't have to be back with him. They also tell uh, everyone that, you know, Perry and Billy Kidman and others have been doing great without Raven. Raven's the only one that's losing out because of this. He gets on a mic in the corner and he says, you know, he's only a victim of circumstance. Like he's only losing because of circumstance. And that he wasn't even scheduled to fight tonight. Which seems like an upside. If I was just given random title fights when I wasn't supposed to have them, I think I'd take them. But
1: under Ravens' uh, rules, let's not forget. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he just so he has, has a literal
1: cheat code
0: uh, as part of his <laughs> as part of his character. Maybe he doesn't want Raven's rules at the flock anymore. You know, does he still get them though? I thought this match wasn't, although that's but it's a whole treated other type like.
1: of it. That, I'm assuming he it's Raven's rules because they do all the bullshit.
0: Yeah. I guess it's hard to know when they, at the start of his character, they said all his matches were always going to be what he won. I don't know. He tries to leave, but Jericho easily baits him back into the ring Calling him, you know, he's. He, it's a shame he's not going to get to fight. Uh, such a perfect wrestler, like the the head of the flock. It's just so, so cheesy and over the top. Cause the flock, losers and morons, uh, and he could beat a superstar like Raven in two minutes. Weird start. Uh, the Moany. What about me? What about Raven? Turning more Moany. I, I don't know. I, I don't know when it leads to the big. He's a his his parents are rich reveal is that in our timeline yeah that's coming up that's coming up fantastic i, I don't know why they feel like they have to head this way with the character but I, it's something different um, it's I,
1: something I, raven wanted to do i mean oh god it had to go somewhere at some point because yeah it's, yeah it's been dead in the water that's very true
0: uh this is actually a quite a decent little match fast pace uh jericho getting his typical stuff in with raven being a bit in it of, on the outside using the steel steps for like a front suplex and whipping him into it Uh, Raven turns the match a bit ugly biting and choking Jericho Jericho exposes the turnbuckle but of course eats it himself he who exposes a quick reversal exchange by boatman Jericho ends up locking in the walls of Jericho but Raven gets to the bottom rope and a huge talking point of the fight here and the commentators keep running out is the last time so recently I think it's is it the nitro before this Jericho beats Raven, and Raven immediately tapped tapped to the walls. So there's this kind of weird true line of is Raven gone soft? Like he was this like hardcore tough guy coming into the company, and when he had the flock, and now that he doesn't have the flock, he's just giving up. Even flow DDT by Raven, but Jericho kicks out. Jericho hits a low blow, just kind of in front of the referee. A lot of that happens in this pay per view. He, like, lingers. He keeps his arm there as well for a little bit, so the ref, you know, gets a good... It's extra damage. Good look. Yeah, I, th- I, think it was,
2: I think it was Tony with a wonderful line, and I think something happened on the other side there.
0: <laughs> Canyon runs down. We see him for two seconds before he collides with Jericho on the apron. So Raven not only getting soft, but has got a bumbling sidekick. Raven tries for another DDT, but Jericho reverses it into the walls, and within two seconds of being locked into it, Raven is hopping out nowhere near the ropes. Yeah, tidy little match. They're telling a story with Raven. I can't really comment on how good or bad it is until I see it play out, I guess. But uh, yeah, at least there's no more flock nonsense. What do you guys uh, think of the match?
2: I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, Losing streak angles just never seem to work, so it's... I know this will never succeed anyways. Jericho not having Ralfus is also
1: a huge negative for me. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's not actually on the shows too much. He's in a couple of interviews, but he's he's not the focal point yet. Also, he's way more of a face on this pay-per-view. I yeah. was
2: wondering that there was at one point there was Raven chance. So I, I I know I just bashed the losing
1: streak angle, but it seems to be working. Hmm. But I mean Jer- Jer- Jericho's whole stick is way more face oriented. He he's not like this at all on the shows. He he but he also regularly gets to come up and see. <laughs> he's been challenging Goldberg again for the for the month. He has a, a t-shirt that says Gold uh, Jericho won, Goldberg zero after the pay-per-view. Oh, it's <laughs> not Greenberg yet? <laughs> and then no, no, it gets there. So then he's like yes. he challenges him again to a match. And he's just going to rerun the pay per view angle with with the small guy. And then Goldberg appears with the small guy, who's not, he's knocked out. So Jericho flings his goons in front of Goldberg to get speared instead. Mm -hmm. That's a great moment. The next week it just says Jericho 2, Goldberg (laughs) 0 and then the following week he comes out and he he asks for a challenge of Goldberg and Goldberg's not, they know Goldberg isn't in the arena, he's off doing something and so the t-shirt changes to Jericho 3, Greenberg 0 and then he finally gets done by uh, DDP because he's like ah who's challenging Goldberg and he's like DDP, he's like ah DDP I can take that guy I'll ch- I'll challenge him too. Yeah. What 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 what's the worst that could happen? But of course, DDP is always in the arena, so he immediately challenges him and they have a match. <laughs>
0: it's such such a good gimmick. It's such a shame. <laughs>
1: yeah. Jericho is mean, great this month. He is being completely wasted, to be perfectly honest, because everything he does is so good. But he has no feud, really. Like he's feuding with the world champion, who also doesn't seem to have a feud. But we'll get yeah, to that.
0: Yeah, th- this match was. I, I actually just throw on the pay-per-view as well right it is filler there's no like real build to this raven's no. already lost this match on nitro yeah
1: totally total unnecessary like didn't need to be on the show like i'm glad they're i'm glad they're on the show because yeah I, I i mean i thought it was like, like a nice opener to have too i thought it was another
2: piece of evidence that raven doesn't have to have like your typical hardcore match no. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to have your nonsense. I mean, Canyon being there. I mean, even Bobby on the replay says, "There's Canyon." Not sure why he's there, but you know. So, like, <laughs> yeah, Raven can have a decent match.
0: It, this is proof. They didn't show him like walking out or anything. It's it's pretty bad timing. Like they they should have shown him maybe coming to the ring and like trying to help Raven. But you barely know it's him if they didn't say Canyon. I wouldn't have been able to tell you it was Canyon. Yeah, kind kind of shame. Uh Hopefully, we see more from them in uh pay per views and. I think I agree with you, Connor. It shows that Raven doesn't need these like contrived, weird gimmicks to just be good. Like I, I would love to see a proper feud between these two guys. They I think they can go at it in the ring pretty well. I, w- I could I wish I could tell you we're on to another match straight away, but Eric and Hogan have to come out. This is time waste number three already. They don't say anything relevant or bring anything to the discussion. Eric tells the crowd what he loves most about Hogan is he represents The Millennium family values, and then laughs, and this is maybe very foreshadowing for his later relationship with his family and his court case. But that's that's something else.
2: I I wrote this one down. Is this supposed to be a joke? I don't know.
0: Yeah, Hogan just rambles really badly about drawing the line with his attack on Horace to show what it takes to be an NWO white. I thought NWO whites were. The fans, but oh, it's of, everybody. Yeah, but apparently it's just everyone. It's
1: everybody I, that's not him.
0: Basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a generic, generic thing for everyone that's not him. So that was very confusing. And yeah, there's some point here about him, you know, laying down the law, and I, I kind of like that he's going a bit crazy because that's what Warriors, you know, deriving out of him. But this, yeah, this had no point and could have been on a Nitro.
1: It has been on a Nitro. He basically has done this promo.
0: That that lasts not that long, but a uh, match two we get Mang versus Rat, and I had to double check I wasn't watching an episode of Thunder. How oh. dare you? <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> dare you. This is
1: a Starcade match. What are you yeah, talking this is about? Fantastic.
0: The match is pretty good, and I like both participants. Mang feels a little directionless and lost a couple times in the nitros as well. Uh, back to just, his
2: old music too. What yeah, what's what's the to deal it. with
0: that? So his mini push seems to be gone, but still a steady hand. Meng won't even let this match start before he like, jumps Rath at the uh, ringside. side. Rath getting also uh, as far as I know push. He hasn't lost this month. He's just beating Jobber. Rath hasn't lost
1: at all. Yeah, since he's come back. Whatever push Meng had, it is all on Rath now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you might as well absorb the other person's push on the way down. It, it <laughs> makes sense. Nothing much happens as match. Rath is in control uh, when he finally does get into the ring. Meng does his typical not quite selling stuff, but not. Squashing. He does this cool roll through of the meltdown, which is me- uh which is rat's finish, which is a pump handle slam. He just like rolls through it and kicks Rat in the face. So like, huh, oh, that was kind of original. He just gets up and hits a super kick. Hey, Meng can wrestle when he wants to, like in yeah. between the hacha. Meng uh brawls and scraps, but eventually. Uh, rat puts on the meltdown and wins the match. Doesn't do any of the trusting that the person using the finish in the other company does. <laughs> it's a very weird finish. know uh, the- he,
1: fin- he doesn't do a power slam finish, though, right? Oh,
0: he might just do the. I think Road Dog yeah.
1: just does the pump handle. I don't think yeah, he does yeah. the power slam part.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. I think I you know. might be right. But the bumming is key. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it more potent. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I I guess <laughs> it's also a weird finish it's, it's a nice looking finish but he like he spent ages locking it on like Meng is trying to fight him I, I don't know if that makes it look good Ha-cha. I, uh, yeah. Ha-cha. <laughs> I guess you're not allowed to pin Meng easy yeah It's just squash match not sure why it's on the pay-per-view as much as I like both men
2: I like guys I like both of these guys more as tag team guys Uh yeah. singles action I don't know on, on pay-per-view it doesn't really jive for me
0: yeah, they're both missing a little something in their game, and they're both like their tag team partners in the future and past. Kind of make up for that.
1: It might so.
2: just be a timing thing too. Just they're both lost.
1: So yeah, I understand why they're they put it on. They want to they want to highlight Wrath because he's been on almost every week. But yeah, it, it doesn't need to be on the show.
0: An interesting thing about Mang, the more I'm picking up, people really don't know how to work with him. Now this is also his fault, but because he knows cells and stuff like that, a lot of his opponents look so confused when he knows cells. And the people who just roll with it and give him some shit back and like take bumps look great in matches with him, but it also leads to some like terrible looking matches where they're like, He he didn't sell my stuff. I don't know what I I don't know what to do now. I'll just punch him some more. I'm not sure where this match falls in that spectrum. Sometimes rats looked a bit lost when Meng just got right back up after a move. Segment after this is uh the internet nerds asking Billy Kidman uh some questions about his possible opponents. Very normal answers. He kind of fat shames Disco. As does everybody. Definitely coming in heavy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely coming (laughs) in heavy. Uh, So this is leading to uh, the match number three of the night, which is Disco versus Hoovy, and whoever wins gets a title shot against Billy Kidman. The last Cruiserweight champion we saw was actually Hoovy in the last pay-per-view. Because how did Billy get get the title?
1: The night after the pay-per-view, Perry made sure that the flock disbanded, and one of the things he said to Billy was go out and make something of yourself. You're good enough to be the Cruiserweight champion. And then magically Billy had a Cruiserweight title match that night and won. Yeah, it was actually a really good moment. Yeah, I Billy's been great. It, won, it was a really, really good match. And the rest of the month, all he has done is wrestle really, really good competitive matches. And really showing off how good of a wrestler he is.
0: He can he can wrestle with anybody. Yeah, Billy's Billy's uh, fantastic. I guess one of his downfalls is kind of what we see in this interview. It's not that he like stumbles over his words like someone like Scott Steiner or has no charisma. He just seems like kind of a normal dude. Normal wrestling man, I guess, is, is oh, his yeah,
1: gimmick. He, he has literally no personality at the moment.
0: Yeah, and it's not that I don't think he has an inability for personality, because some people are like, yeah, you, you just don't get it. You're not good at the acting part of this job. He's just kind of, what's his gimmick? He kind of wears similar clothes to the flock. He's just young guy, I think, is his gimmick now, you know?
2: Yeah, I think that's why this run seems to work or why I I enjoyed it so much as a kid as well. Yeah. Here, just go have some, like, good matches. Oh, I can do that, no problem. But when you're going up against, like, Hogan or when you go to the WWE, it's like, eh, it doesn't quite translate into, you know, entertaining,
0: top star type guy. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fair. The, the match itself, uh, Disco versus Yuvi, gets a bit more time than I thought it would. As much as I completely dislike Disco, this might be one of his better matches we see. The match is very much carried by Yuvi, who is like is fast-paced, Luchador-style, and dominates the majority of the opening bit. There's also a, a couple of bad botches, but I don't think I can blame either guy. It's just a bit of mistiming in, in the match flow between them. Disco, not incredibly smooth at points, but playing the bigger, heavier guy and kind of doing power moves to Hoovies, Luchador kind of stuff works. A big swinging neck breaker uh, gets a very large double down by both wrestlers. And they start playing into the gimmick that the longer this match goes, the more tired both guys are going to get and how concerning that is for both guys going into the Billy Kidman match. Disco keeps getting punished for dancing in the match as well. He seems to dance less and less. He gets runned over the top rope but he—it's like he can't help himself. He has to gyrate every now and again to upset the fans. Whoopi tries to jump on Disco's shoulders, but Disco throws him off and turns it into a jumping pile driver for the win. And I'm not—is is that Disco's finish? I thought it yeah. was a leg drop.
1: No, no, that's that's his finish. Is a jumping huh. pile. It driver.
2: used to be the stunner, but then. Yeah. Oh yeah, the stunner. Know, yeah, the disciple
1: that. had to take it. <laughs> hey, that's He's, the one wire nation's disciple. I'll have
0: you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because Disco wrestled here. I guess we get a dance break right after this match. This one's a lot more risque. Are they? Are they usually that risque on nitros? I thought. I remember them being, you know, the dancers always wear skimpy clothes or whatever. But pretty straightforward cheerleading esque kind of dancing. This one was a uh, more burlesque. Uh,
1: they they vary. I mean. They they definitely introduced tigress. They started introducing them individually. Yeah. Recently enough and they definitely introduced tigress with a leash. So Oh
0: my goodness. Okay.
1: <laughs> so just
2: this okay. one was probably the most awkward one. The commentators like their perviness Seasons. like it it yeah, It's 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 like more subtle. This one was just like overt I'm going to be Jerry the King Lawler type levels of perviness. It this one was weird.
1: Larry's, yeah. Larry, thankfully, is not on the pay per view. He's real bad for first. Uh, yeah.
0: Brain just—I have brain makes weird noises and tells the commentators to ag- aggressively tells them to shut up. It isn't just like quiet. You is like shut up. I'm watching. <sighs> what the fuck? This is so weird. Oh, this—it's—it's it's painful to watch. Uh, at least it, this is the most aggressive. The jokes get they subside a little with the next ones. Though Brain keeps saying he forgets where he is when the Nitro Girls are on. Big Papa Pump is out next and uh, he has some stuff to say. What it is, I'm unsure. But uh, he is <laughs> <laughs> he is a freak on his left and right and one in the box. I'm not sure what the box is referring to. He said in front, I thought. I thought um, he said...
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, whatever. It doesn't really matter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, you know, he's your hookup holler if you hear him. So I always assume... Freaks mean, like, women, right? Yeah. But then sometimes does he refer to, like, other wrestlers as freaks as an insult?
1: No, he refers to himself as a genetic and freak. freak. And then his women as the as freaks. freaks. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you think, I guess, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best
2: not to think about the segment.
0: He just calls out Giant, who just casually strolls out. It'll be, he's like, Giant will have my back, and it will be a tag team match. For the tag team titles. And Giant just strolls out. He's like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Gus, what's happened to our beloved tag team titles?
1: Oh, well, I mean, nobody's wrestled with them. I have to give Scott Hall credit that the entire way through his feud, he has worn the belt around his waist. Without fail, he always appears with his belt. But nobody ever mentions the tag team belts anymore. So... The the fact that they just go, oh yeah, we'll put them up. You're like, this is very convenient. Yeah, Scott Snyder, <laughs> I'm, I'm a tag team champion, right? What? Nobody talked about
2: this
0: since when? Since always. JJ uh, Dillon also just strolls out into the into show.
2: <laughs> Dillon is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why can he not talk? Like he was a wrestler, right? Like he actually did
0: things. Yeah, he's with the Horsemen. Uh, he did Horseman promos. It's so painful. <laughs> Uh, he convinces Scott that to put something else on the line too. That if he loses, he immediately has to fight uh, Rick. Why would this plan work? Why, if he loses, wouldn't he just run away? Like he has everything. Si- His job was on the line the last time, and he managed to get out of it. <laughs> also, why is this different?
1: <laughs> also, the match is already signed for that. What? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a one-on-one match before he made it a tag match. Why wouldn't Dylan just go, no, 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 this is a one-on-one. You can't just make a tag match. That's not your job. You're We're like, just, <laughs> so like, just think
2: we're thinking too hard about all of this. Just make it the one-on-one match. <laughs> just make it the one-on-one
0: so, well, we'll, we'll get to why it's not a one-on-one match in, yeah. in, in some perfect storytelling bliss in a while. Uh, after this, we go to another match that should just be on a thunder. Fit Finley versus Alex Wright. Alex Wright not seen with Disco this time and has gone into a gimmick of he is the best European wrestler on uh, the roster. He started speaking German. He is trying to beat all the other European wrestlers. But as Gustav told me, he's already beat Finlay before this, right? Yes. So they run out of European wrestlers, I guess, for him to beat. Well, I guess. I,
1: they probably do have another. They they definitely have Gentleman Chris Adams on the thing. Oh, they yeah, definitely true. trot him out.
0: Because he's involved in another angle uh, earlier in the month. Uh, is there, Regal's not fired yet, right? It's a year after his Goldberg match he gets let go. So Regal's probably still in the company. No,
2: he's definitely in WWE. I think they're filming like his vignettes
0: now. Oh, okay, okay. He's a man. This match is actually quite good. I don't have much to say about it. It's uh, short. Alex Reich is definitely like living up to being the heel. He's being more nasty, less like... High flying, even though he's built some no of that in. No point in having it, and the crowd hated it. it it's so sad because I think it's actually a decently put together match yeah, between two I, good guys, I agree. and the crowd hate it. They not not hate it because then they boo. They are deathly quiet for most of the match, and that's even worse. And also, if they're a casual crowd like we suggested and Gus suggested, maybe having someone like Alex Wright doing some like kick ass moves instead of being the nasty heel would be better. But nah, like. This ends when both men take turns missing moves. Alex Wright misses a missile drop kick off the top. Finley misses a charge into the corner, which is a lot of how the main event plays out, so I'm just noticing that now. Yeah. Uh, this lets Alex hit a normal ass neckbreaker for the win. <laughs> oh, no, that's his finisher. It's just a, but Yeah, but this is a normal neckbreaker. Like. Yeah, yeah, but I prefer, the,
1: I prefer the German suplex. It that, is his finisher, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rick Rude's finisher was a neckbreaker. What do you want, guys? Yeah,
0: it's not the 1960s Rude anymore uh, now. <laughs> Rude's well, got that upper body strength. Yeah, we also talked true. about trusting, changing finishes. You know, there's no trusting
1: going on yeah, here. He doesn't trust, though. He he gyrates. he gyrates. It's different.
2: Also, Rude isn't German either, so. <laughs>
1: yeah. and he also has a much more powerful mustache. Yeah, you can see the differences yes. adding up here. A lot of differences.
0: This leads into another very, you know, important segment to have on a pay-per-view Ernest Miller is arguing with Lee Marshall and I can't tell you what they argued about because I gouged out my eardrums while this was happening
1: <laughs> you're lucky because you haven't had to listen to it for a month hold on hold on I have to
2: ask so 13 year old Connor was right to hate the cat Absolutely, like, legit legit
1: heat
0: Absolutely. I, I think he excellent. has. I actually like this gimmick. I just, the it way he. not a good
1: gimmick. <laughs> it is not good.
0: <laughs> the way Lee Marshall argues with him over it is so slapstick and weird. So he's calling himself the real deal. And is it the best pro wrestler in the world? That's nope. the things he call, The real nope. deal. And. No, he's a three time
1: karate champion.
0: So he's yeah. the best fighter. Oh, best fighter. Because he's better
1: than any wrestler. No wrestler can beat him. It doesn't matter. He's terrible. Like he's out now terrible he comes out every week his match is he gives like whoever whatever goober he's wrestling it's usually nick dinsmore by the way uh eugene fame and gives them five seconds to forfeit the match and just accept that he's the better individual and then obviously nobody ever leaves the ring so he like hits them when they're not paying attention or maybe one of them gets to jump on him whatever but he he wins all his matches he never wrestles anybody meaningful he constantly throws out challenges to people that don't exist, and makes it seem like he's an incredible re- wrestler. And he's just—it's—it's it's awful. He can't wrestle. Like,
0: who, who is the real deal at this stage? Because he's stealing nicknames, right? That's the the fun of it. That's Dilo, isn't it? Oh, it might be the real deal. I'm not gonna yeah. get the real the deal, deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I—you just did what I did in my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's—I I mean,
2: technically, he's not the real deal
0: yet, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but Lee Marshall keeps alluding to this that like he's stealing other people's nicknames. You understand someone else is the real deal. He's like, Who is this chump? I'm going to go beat him up, which I thought was. Oh, I don't know. Then, yeah. I thought it, it was right. Maybe it is Dilo, though. It's <laughs> funny. Yeah, and this was just kind of grating. And again, whether you like or not like Ernest Miller's gimmick, I'm not sure why this is on the paper. He's not on the pay per view. Why is he in uh, the internet position?
1: They are trying to feature the people that have regular involvement to be fair. Yeah. Like same thing as like Wrath. So instead of giving him a match and doing the same thing, they just gave him like a small a short promo. It right. makes and sense. I much prefer the yeah. Uh
0: another match that needs match, to be here. Yes. Lodi versus Saturn. Saturn's <laughs> I have noted here, must have been in a good mood while writing this one. <laughs> Saturn dresses like he's on his way to a fetish convention. Oh, oh my god. god, his outfit. <laughs> I
1: had it as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He has a Marine beret on I, and he has this like <laughs> chain link vest that Barry covers his, his, his upper body. I said body. he
1: wasn't expecting to wrestle and was on his way to a club night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they talk about it's so funny. They talk about like the beret honoring, because he is an actual Marine, I, I'm pretty sure. Honoring Ranger, like Ranger,
1: I thought, but whatever. Ranger,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think Ranger is right. Honoring his like, you know, comrades or whatever. What's the chainmail honoring, Perry? Grit and determination. Bonding together. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this match was fairly annoying. Lodi comes out with his signs, as always. <laughs> fairly. <laughs> fairly Lodi demands the crew to bring back his signs. <laughs> Lodi's pants jingle when he gets suplexed. There's, no, no, it's when he moves, even. It's so annoying. It's obviously a man who never thought he's going to have to wrestle a match for the rest of his <laughs> yeah, life. To,
2: hey, at, le- at least he took his goggles off. To, <laughs> I, I was actually wondering, like, are you going to take those goggles off, man?
1: No. Oh, <laughs> that's a he t- He's Ooh. in serious mode at that point. He probably expected for there to be crowd reactions to to uh, dampen the, the noise of the chains. Not for them to be the loudest thing on audio.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they've certainly also moved, I want to note this here, there's fans at ringside that are super audible for this entire pay-per-view. So I think they've moved the the placing of their mics near ringside. And some of the stuff the fans say are very funny. In the disco match, when disco's taunting at one stage, one of them's like, finish the match, you idiot! <laughs> it's like, <laughs> And this guy just smiles like <laughs> he has a point stop dancing so you could hear, you could pick up a lot more stuff in the ring and this was one of them the jingling just is so annoying and ruins any enjoyment i can kind of have of the match yeah the the signs are taken by a ringside assistant away he runs after them and says they're very important why are they even taking them away either that's that's the
2: other puzzling it yeah. yeah, was
0: that was that part of it is it like you need to stall someone take away my signs he gets suplexed and DVD'd and Saturn wins. Saturn's new gear looks nice besides the bondage stuff. Mm. Like his sh- I have his- no notes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Saturn's probably upset he's missed the early concession. Like-
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh I guess Saturn's pretty like prominent on the nitros, and he just had a big storyline. Like having him on the pay-per-view is important. But this again was a thunder throwaway match. This is what he could have done after breaking up the flock immediately you know what i mean just disposable already. Yep.
2: are we an hour into this pay-per-view like yeah like give, it feels give like, like we haven't gotten started yet and we have another nitro girl segment too
0: dance break number 3 i have written down here yeah. this one's less burlesque this one's oh, more y- norm- you normal you also forgot to mention they did a
1: recap promo into the nitro girl segment oh yeah footage oh, from,
0: i think uh, i was too mad to write that one down yeah footage from buff saving uh rick it does feel legitimately like the entire first hour is like, why don't we slap a nitro on a pay per view to show people what nitros are like and they'll come watch nitro. It legitimately feels like that because this is the this is the first match that maybe actually matters. Billy Kidman versus uh, Disco with Billy as champion. Disco goes out just two matches previ- uh, previous and had won the chance to get a title shot. Why didn't he win that chance on a nitro? Why does the heel have the disadvantage of winning uh, fighting two matches? Stop asking questions and watch the pay-per-view.
2: And why do you want to run this kind of gimmick too in your cruiserweight division? You know, cruiserweight division you want, you know, the fast pace, high spots, no rest holds, but, you know, that's what we get in this match with Disco. So it's, who's not
0: a cruiserweight, by the way. No, you. too fat, too fat to be a cruiserweight.
2: Those you aren't know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my words, but you know, trying to have Disco Inferno wrestle two matches. Uh, you know, he's not
0: Booker T here. Well, let, let's no. let's pump uh, the brakes. At you. Like, do they think Disco's over? Like, but he's he a,
1: is legitimately over. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh, let's say sucks. his entrance is over. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. He legitimately his, gets oh, sorry, cry his reactions. Theme music
0: is <laughs> <laughs> over. Yeah, but it's a weird thing to do for your heel. Are they trying to turn him face here? Because he certainly doesn't act like a face so at any stage in any of these matches.
2: They do some weird stuff with disco soon so
0: yeah that
2: should be fun to talk about
0: do you know where they go with disco dave no i just i've just always hated him okay buckle up oh my god i know he's there for a long time like he's there into the 2000s right he just sticks with them then he doesn't get fucking disco (laughs) i like kidman's team a lot here
2: Oh, yeah, Kidman seems deadly. I love it. It's a great one,
0: yeah. Disco uses his side of, uh, size advantage in this match, tells the story of, again, Kidman trying to do some high octane stuff and Disco just uh, hard whipping Kidman to the corner and hitting swinging neck breakers. Anytime Kidman gets ahead of Steam, Disco manages to avoid a move or slow down the match. Doesn't make for great watching, but does tell a decent story. Disco, as he starts to win, gets more and more confident and starts like. Do little trusts and little dance dances, gets more distracted. The crowd hate his dancing, in fairness. He gets a big reaction every time he does it. Uh, missed elbow drop off the second rope by Disco causes uh, uh, caused by too much dancing. And I'm never going to miss a chance to say this, but a low down by Kidman, second D'Lo Brown reference on the podcast. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Disco tries for a power bomb, uh, of course. You can't powerbomb Kidman. He flips out, but Disco hits a pile driver, jumping pile driver. He can't cover, though, because he's too tired from having the two matches and only gets a two count after a long pause. Another just awful powerbomb attempt. Why would you try and powerbomb Kidman? And it's reversed into a face buster, then a shooting star press for Kidman to retain clean. Fine match. Nothing much to say besides, yeah, Disco's a little slow. Putting him with luchadors maybe isn't the best pairing.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much my notes. They—it's not like they did bad stuff, really. I thought there was a really cool like drop toe hold into the bottom rope. That's a move I've I've seen. It looks kind of dangerous. I, I wouldn't recommend yeah, I, doing
0: that. I, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> w- w- put that in your repertoire.
2: <laughs> no, but uh, I, th- I think they could have uh, chosen different. Like we talked about the LWO. I, I thought that maybe it would be, like a good time to like feature one of those guys to you know keep the stable. Not to say like they should go over. Kidman obviously should go over here, but like have like Eddie ringside and then like, come on, I'm going to push El Dandy here. Somebody like that. You know, I feel like they could have gone in that direction. Putting disco in the cruiserweight division reminds me of kind of like, I don't know, road dog as intercontinental champion, like, or Billy Gunn as hardcore champion. It's just you know where yeah. your talent belongs here. And I, I, this was just a weird mismatch.
0: It's a fair point. They've literally set up a stable of light heavyweights or cruiserweights and Eddie has promised these cruiserweights better treatment, it would have been pretty easy to just stick one of them in a match against Kidman with Eddie as manager. And then you got Eddie on the pay-per-view. But instead we got two disco matches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair. Yeah. The, there the were no disco, disco chi- matches. Yeah, <laughs> they were. They were. I- I'll say that this is probably the best I've seen.
1: Was uh, it really?
0: Yeah, probably. Um, for a disco. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah for <laughs>
1: disco.
2: He well, pu- I mean, he-, he pulled out the Macarena. I think that got the most heat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it's the same match he's wrestled every time, but he's just against two very good opponents, right? Yeah. Uh, so they they worked off him very well, uh, and he did his you know same four or five moves, which is fine. Like not, that's not taking anything from Disco, but yeah, probably his best matches so far. And I'm, I'm loving Kidman. I hope they keep going with him. I think uh, me me and Gus talked about this actually recently. Uh, there's some interviews near the end of WCW's run in the two thousands. It's right before Chris jumps, Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn. And they're like interviews in the locker room with Perry and Chris. They, uh, they're they talking to Perry about who are the most overrated and underrated wrestlers in the world. And he has like Kidman as one of his most uh, best wrestlers in the world at that point. And hmm. yeah, he's, he's, very, he's very good. Not saying he should be a world champion or anything, but very good.
2: No, he'll be around in the Cruiserweight division until we end our cast. So yeah, he'll
0: Fantastic. be around. We got to jump into another title match here, so it really feels like the pay-per-view is finally going. Not that they care much about these championships, but it's Giant and Scott Steiner versus Rick and Buff Bagwell. Calling it a title match is such a farce. <laughs> like, uh, he, there's titles held up at the end of the match, Gus, please. <laughs> Buff is getting so much into the Rick barking stuff and the dog stuff. He is... Going full ham on the barking noises. He's doing it way more often than uh Rick Steiner is.
2: And I get you wanna get your shine in, Buff, but like it's supposed to be about Rick versus Scott, but you know, yeah. whatever.
0: Commentary let us know that this is Buff's first time wrestling since his really scary injury. So that's you know, on a, a side, that's kinda of nice to see him actually back in a ring and not just doing managerial stuff. This is a lot of stalling and uh, giant just Keeps the title in the air so little Nate can't fucking reach it. <laughs> and he does it for so long. <laughs> uh, they're really eating up the time here. Scott avoids his brother to start the match and let Rick and Giant start. Rick doesn't even get to do a move for so long. He just gets isolated by boat.
2: Yeah, this is actually when I knew that something was up. Because yeah. I thought in my mind, what is the most logical thing here? Oh, Rick should be the hot tag to get, you know... Yeah. To come up and on Scott. Like, oh, wait, something's coming up here. <laughs>
0: And then Scott gets in the ring, and I thought he'd do a move or two, and then, you know, tag Giant back in, stay away from his brother. right? But he isolates Rick for so long himself. And then Rick finally gets the head of steam up. He does a couple moves, a couple throws to Scott. He gets his hands on him, but then Buff insists on being tagged in. They go for a double clothesline, and Buff just dick kicks <laughs> Rick Steiner. <laughs> It's, of it's a triple cross. Who could have seen it coming?
1: Like literally and, everybody. But uh,
0: and the crowd go cold for it as well. It's not even a big reaction. Um, their initial reaction when Rick and Scott first kind of got the fight in that match where they faked the ambulance and stuff like that was so nuclear. And now they've lost it. No one cares about this feud in the crowd at all. Yeah, nobody's throwing garbage in the ring for. Sure. Yeah, both runs to the back he does his like weird skipping kind of thing and then just runs out of the match and leaves at a <laughs> handicap match I
1: don't understand why he left the match <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes no sense
0: I mean it's
1: I get I understand later but like from a logical standpoint
0: <laughs> it's so funny for a
2: guy that likes to pose and yeah the shining star yeah it's
0: it's one he's within the rules of the match to keep just beating up Rick yeah why why not do that But two, yeah. Why not become the manager at ringside and do all the like shouting stuff? It just makes no sense.
2: I will Uh, say at this point, I got really tired of the commentators trying to act shocked in the poll about Buff turning again. It just happened recently. Why would you trust him? Come on, man.
0: They got us again. I'm like, yeah, they did. You fucking morons. Like this is, (laughs) uh, they just humiliate and beat beat a brick in the ring after a failed comeback by Rick Scott calls for the match to end. So giant goes to the top rope. So scary when he goes to the top rope. He looks like he's gonna fall so much, or the ring is just gonna snap. Rick ducks uh, a giant attempt at a missile drop kick of all things off the top rope. Rick go, uh, gets a bunch of clothes on in and hits a top rope bulldog on the giant for the win. And Rick Steiner is the tag team champions. <laughs> oh, and okay. I'm, I'm both Bagwell. And both Bagwell, yeah, I guess. Unlikely duo. Yep. And of course, Scott just tries to get the fuck out of there. Cause what was JJ Dylan thinking? Of course he was just gonna try and leave if he lost the match. I also again the, the mics close to the ring that you pick up giant going. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry I hit you. <laughs> Which is very funny. Uh thoughts on this match before we get into some Steiner on Steiner violence and uh buffs, you know triple cross I guess
1: it's just a mess I, I just I'm fed up of it like they missed they missed the, the peak of this a long time ago
2: one thing that really it kind of came to a head at this match with The referee in WCW, like they're just—they just don't care about anything right (laughs) now. Apparently, low blows are just legal now, and they just don't (laughs) want to. To this point, where Tony like complains that the like blatant low blow rule needs to be like revisited, and he even says, "I know we've been a little relaxed on the rules lately, you know, with the over the top thing, you know, like we're, but now the low blows. I don't know. We 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 might have to revisit this, fans. I'm sorry."
1: It's like come It's on. it's either that or it's the oh the referee was smart enough to let that one go because we want to see a finish in this match, yeah. you know?
2: Just enough. Story. Enough. I, I know that I know it's the time period. I know because WWF does the same shit. So I, I I understand, but just don't be so blatant with it.
0: Yeah, I just why do they need to fool Rick into taking a tag team partner? Why is Rick so easily fooled? <laughs> uh,
2: it's it just it the whole tag team thing in general it just if you don't want tag team wrestling to exist just have like the outsiders retire the belts or something
0: mm. it's just so weird why would rick take the tag team match to begin with he wants the single match, that he fought for it for months why why are they like we'll put the tag team champion on line and rick is like yeah okay that sounds good actually that's what i wanted all along it's very funny to me it's not good i can't call it good booking but the minute Rick got dick kicked, I laughed out loud. <laughs> it was so funny. Listen, and I, I knew it was coming. It's dumb
1: th- it's dumb as fuck, but uh, Buff is very entertaining. And he buff, does buff he does crazy. it so well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought because of my experience of Buff later, you know, his unfortunate WWF match and stuff like that, and his like the big top hat later two thousands buff, I wouldn't like him, but this stuff cracks me up scott has been so funny as well that's
2: that's where i was gonna go i i I was not expecting this level of comedy with scott or this level of detail with scott too like he was taking bumps in the match too
0: yeah yeah he was i just i love everything about big papa pump is uh, do i love it ironically maybe but i absolutely (laughs) love everything he does it's so fun his catchphrase is hilarious his cadence i the fact that he can't cut a promo to save his life just adds to the character somehow instead of subtracts from it, is just, like, way better. Terrible feud, but it's led to some of the, the most fun I've watched. I was, I was talking to this about, because obviously we'll get to it later, but there's a lot of ragging on the Judy Bagwell in a pole match as this, like, spot in WCW wrestling. Like, well, this is why it was bad. Like, look, this is bad booking. Like, that's objectively fucking hilarious. Everything about Judy Bagwell has been very, very funny so far. I don't know why they would stop going to that. Well, it's it's comedy goals.
2: I missed the memo. When when are we covering that match? I don't.
0: Oh, is it after? I, I might have way to after. It's this way is like, after, Dave. Yeah. It's like two thousand, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll make sure we cover it. <laughs> Damn it! All right. <laughs> <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> we'll, we'll have we'll have a, an episode maybe before very last season just, two the yeah. Judy Bagwell yeah. era. Yeah. Years. Yeah. I'm just I, of everything we see during this era. Or like WCW in general? You're telling me that, again, objectively hilarious Judy Bagwell being on a forklift match is what ruined it? Nah, that's just good booking, if anything, you know. After this, Rick demands his match. Newly crowned champion is not good enough for Rick Steiner. He demands a match and he goes and gets Scott, who's trying to walk away. Giant, like, feebly runs after them, (laughs) trying to catch Rick. And Rick just punches him once and he sells it like he's been shot. Low blow by Scott again to slow the action down to a crawl and completely silence the crowd. They do not give a fuck once Rick is not in the, uh, not in control. A fan in a Clinton mask, I think it's supposed to be. Oh yeah, it's meant yeah. to be Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton mask jumps the rail and beats up the guards. Stevie Ray then hands said fan a slapjack, who then hits the ref and Rick Steiner who are just both on the ground at that point. Oh, the the refs get fucked over tonight.
2: Like, three or four (laughs) refs
0: just get... There's some horrible horrible ref bumps. Yeah. Uh, It's Buff, for some reason, who's in a suit and a Clinton mask, takes off the mask, and he uses the unconscious ref to count the pin. Maybe just get Scott out of there. I don't think you need to win this. But uh, Rick kicks out of the slapjack shot. Uh, Scott says uh, he's ending it, goes to the corner for the Frankensteiner. Rick kicks out of the Frankensteiner clean uh, after another unconscious ref count. Rick then just gets up and dispatches a buff and hits a top rope bulldog. And Nick Patrick hits the ring. I got to give him credit. We've given him a lot of uh, a lot of guff on the show, but hits the ring perfectly as uh, Rick starts to cover for the three count. And your new high uh, team champions and supreme over the NWO black and white is a. Uh, is Rick Steiner. He he finally wins the feud, and hopefully he gets to move on.
2: I don't know if I would say hopefully because I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. done with Rick Steiner at this point. Yeah. I
0: cannot wait for the Buff Bagwell Rick Steiner, uh, you know, odd couple tag team. That's going to be very good. I hope.
1: Uh, knowing WCW probably lasted like. The next night, probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh...
1: And I bet you Giant is a tag champion again somehow.
0: (laughs) Weird uh, feud. I hope this doesn't get extended into the next couple pay-per-views. But we can finally move on from the Steiner on Steiner violence. We never did get that hoss off we were hoping for.
1: No. At least he got to win. Yeah, right guy won. But he definitely didn't get over in the process. I mean, he no. got he got insulted by Chucky,
0: so... <laughs> yeah, well, Chucky might hire Scott Steiner for his next movie. Now, does that mean Chucky's the director of Chucky? I don't know. I just can't believe they
1: did at least three weeks of build-up to the reveal of Chucky for on the Nitro. Did they? they would just pipe cackling laughter into the arena <laughs> oh with no explanation. God. And people go, that's mad annoying. What is that? And I thought it was Hugh Morris for ages. I was like, this is totally setting up Hugh Morris for some dumb push. And and then they just had a random interview and me and Gene is out with Rick and it's Chucky on on the screen. And he proceeds to roast the two of them. (laughs) So wrestling. Yeah, completely worthless. I mean, there wasn't even a tie-in thing for him on the pay-per-view. So I think they
0: just paid... Chucky to be on the show for <laughs> some reason. On to a more serious subject matter. Though maybe this was supposed to be serious all along. Who knows? We get a highlight reel of Scott, ver- uh, Scott versus Kev. An actual promo package. It's like a good one too. Yeah. Pretty well put together. Covering a lot of what their feud has been about. We've seen this develop over the last couple pay-per-views and now we're. Uh, this is kind of a huge build-up we've seen on the nitros them going to bars to try and find scott to beat him up and then finding him in a bar like scott like calling Nash backstage for the fight that he wants and then like running off like driving off in a car like hanging out of the limo any more like highlights of drunk scott you want to go through gus
1: i mean there's the low light of him hitting on women in the arena oh, where he's sitting at the yeah. whatever bar public bars in in the in the stadium He is, he
2: is in really bad shape right now. Like he's, he was like arrested like three times in this, like in the past couple weeks of this time period. Like this is when his wife is like going off on WCW
1: as well. Like I genuinely don't know what is real half the time. And what is him like playing up that he's drunk. It's really starting to get to me when you're watching it. Obviously all the stuff Kev is doing is, is
0: fine. It's super awkward. What's annoying about it, besides it actually like obviously playing off his real life problems and that being like really shitty, what's annoying about it is I'd love to see these guys feud with you know Hall in good shape. It we're seeing little glimpses of that in the highlight package show, like this like story of the outsiders imploding and what that would mean, and the match is actually structured pretty decently or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm, far, I'm finding it I'm finding it quite hard to watch uh, as the pay per views go by. So it must be a delight to see it weekly, Gus.
1: I mean, he's not on it that much at, at the same time. So it's it's, it's too, busy,
2: too busy being arrested. So,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> as, as what is, yeah. The match itself, I think, is really interesting. Nash asking Hall what he's uh, going to do at the start of the match, but just gets a face full of unknown brev- beverage for his problems. Scott is full on just like stumbling for a lot of this and his entrance... You know, he has to drink with him and he's trying to make himself look as drunk as possible. Again, as Gus says, who knows what's real and what's not. Hall chokes uh, Big Kev on the outside with some power cables and they brawl ugly from the start of the match. I've always loved Scott's punches. They look so real. Amazing. And I don't they're, know if, they
2: sound good too. Like it sounds like he's actually hit him too.
0: Yeah, I don't know how he's doing it or if he's just really peppering guys, but they're very good for this. Like
2: they, Na- just, Nash is uh, obviously, you know, since they're mates, they bump yeah. like fucking bosses for each other. But... Yeah, Nash
0: is making him look like a monster. Like yeah. just I don't think I've ever seen him.
2: Uh, yeah, and it's the um it's the advantage of having long hair too. He flicks his long hair like crazy before him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really does it just looks fantastic. Uh now there's not many wrestling moves to this match, but it's just Scott beating on Hall for most of it. He gets on the mic. He, he gets busted open. I think he's bleeding from his mouth really early on. So I didn't yeah. see where that comes from.
1: It, it doesn't look planned.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't look planned. I, th- I think it's real because they get the medics at their side of the ring and the medics are just wiping up some of the blood. And while to wait to, you know, being a good professional to waste time, uh, Scott gets on the mic and starts taunting Big Kev and telling him, you know, I'm done with you. Leave. Like, leave the arena, which is a really good foreshadowing for kind of what happens at the end. But Kev doesn't give up, and he gets in the ring, and he takes a beating. He, ke- he keeps asking Scott to come and give him more, until finally Kev kind of gets going, and the crowd gets behind him. He almost hits the jackknife, and Hall has to scramble. Both of them look way more serious now, and every time Hall gets knocked down, he like looks worried and anxious and angry, and they're doing some pretty great acting. Big knees in the corner by Kev. Asking, this is really cringey. This, I was enjoying the match up to this point. Kev asking him, does he want a double? Does he want more? Does he want another drink? I'm like, oh, that's too real. Hall is out on his feet after taking those big knees and some uh, elbows in the corner, and he has nothing left to give. He's just, like, stumbling. Kev is in complete control of the match. After beating him for a while, he hits a jackknife on a defense Hall and asks the crowd if uh, they want to see another, and he thinks that uh, that uh, Scott would love a double. Again, going back to the alcohol references. Gives him another jackknife, but doesn't even bother pinning him. Leaves the arena as uh, Scott advised at the start of the match. Just leaves the match. And Scott technically wins by countdown. So what do you guys think of the big kind of uh, culmination of this feud?
1: I actually quite enjoyed this. It felt more real. There was a a good story element to it. As Connor already pointed out, it is no surprise that the two of them, since they're really, really good friends, they bump really, really well for each other and they, they make it work. I think it's it held true to the storyline that they were trying to tell, however gross that storyline may have been due to his actual issues. I think Kevin made a good point of like what he was trying to get across, because at the end of the day, he's been trying to save his friend in storyline and nothing has worked up until this point. So he's just trying to see if he can beat it out of him at this stage. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, The crowd actually got interested in it. There was more to it. And because it had a storyline behind it, it was much easier to get invested.
2: I thought this was probably Nash's best match. Probably Hall, too. Yeah,
0: I can agree with that.
2: Like, all around, too. I I think the, like, even the camera work was great at catching, like, facial expressions, catching, like, different, like, little audio snippets of the guys talking to each other as well. Even the commentary was on, on point for this. They were like great at building emotions, asking the right questions, putting them over as like one of the greatest tag teams. Like both guys treated this as like a serious match. Like usually they mock their opponents. So Nash in the promo package was like very subdued. Like he's usually very jokey and kind of like over the top with his antics. I unfortunately Nash kind of like did it at one point. You're talking about Dave, like with the the double thing and same thing like when he does with the the jackknife, he pantomimes the like oh I'm gonna have another drink. Like besides that, like Nash was all business, no pin attempts in the match. Like this was truly settling like a score. Like even though I hate depicting the the drunken gimmick in wrestling, like this was a good payoff. Like you you have to hand it to him. And yeah, you have to you have to wonder if like Hall was 100 percent like what this actually could have been.
0: Yeah, I I really like a lot of it. I have to agree with you, Connor. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the pantomiming at the end. I like the walk off. I would have loved to see a bit more remorse from Kev at points. Mm-hmm. Like, not. Yeah. I don't. I'm not enjoying this. I think I need to do this kind of thing.
1: He, to be fair to him, he did do that during the month. Like he tried not to. He's gone past that point.
0: Yeah, his interviews seem very, especially in the highlights. The interviews seem very similar, where he's just so sad this has happened. I like the commentary do a really good job of making making them seem like it's such a big deal that they broke up not only for a friendship, they they put over their like the best WCW tag team of all time. Even Brain says he's never like managed a tag team better than them. So that kind of stuff really adds to the layers of the story. Uh yeah, I, I like this match a lot. I like you two. I think it's a really good performance. Probably. I wasn't
2: expecting it to like it as much.
0: Yeah, I thought it would be way more comedy, which I'm pretty happy it wasn't. We know
2: their patterns. We know their five moves of doom from both guys yeah you know hall doesn't do the fallaway slam here i don't know if he can pick up nash <laughs> to be fair yeah <laughs> but they they change up their repertoire they they really play into the story this really more felt like an 80s
0: wwf match yeah i agree I completely agree and both guys motivated are really great wrestlers not no doubt yeah. in the world about it so unfortunately this feud is never going to be looked uh favorably because of what it was built around but kind of great Dance break number four, I think, after this very somber match. Get the crowd it's, back into it, you know. <laughs> it's in front of the giant pumpkin, and their outfit change this time is a bunch of different wigs. Legitimately looks like they're like, fuck, we forgot their fourth outfit. Go to the local party shop, pick up what you can, and do another dance. Very uh, very kind of weird. But after that, we get a match that on paper should be an absolute banger, but maybe in practice wasn't as much Bret Hart is US champion versus Sting. And I am not going to try to explain what's happening with Bret Hart, because even though Gus sends us detailed notes uh, every time we do an episode, I cannot decipher what the fuck he's doing on the Nitros. Please tell us what Bret Hart has been up to, Gus.
1: Uh, turning a lot. Um, <laughs> how yeah. many times? Two or three times? <sighs> I guess I it's two. Know. Two, right? Yeah, so he comes off of the last pay-per-view. He has this, what seems to be a babyface promo. Uh, which includes Rod- Roddy Piper. Roddy picking up a great check along the way for his one one appearance of the month. Hey,
2: Roddy actually delivering a good, like, coherent promo yeah, for once. Yeah, it is I great. I'm going to give him
1: props. Yeah. So yeah, he cuts this really strong babyface promo. He admits to, like, being lured in by Hogan and can't believe he did that. He respects Sting. A couple weeks in, Hogan is like, I'm not happy with Brett. We need to settle this score, so I'm going to challenge him to a match. So they have a match at a certain point. Brett gets horribly injured. I can't remember if it's a run-in or what, but they're trying to tell him that he can't continue, that he has this horrible knee injury. So he's like hobbling and he's trying to get back into the ring. Sting comes out and says, well, Hogan had a problem with me, so I'm going to take your place. And he gets in and he starts wrestling Hogan instead. They wheel Brett all the way to the back, (laughs) like keep the camera on him, go to an ambulance, as he's about to be stretchered into the ambulance, the two people who are with him, who are Conan and and uh, Lex Luger, get jumped by everybody's favorite Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell <laughs> in surgeon scrubs. They beat the crap out yeah. of the two of them.
0: Amazing.
1: Brett is like strapped down to the gurney, so he's unable to get out of it too quickly. But then manages to free himself. Very very strangely, never gets attacked by Scott or Buff. For whatever reason, and begins hobbling his way back out to the front. Uh, we get to the point where Sting is beating the crap out of Hogan and he's putting him in the death lock. And then he turns around and Brad is there to cheer him on, and he DDTs him down to the mat. And everybody's like, What the fuck? You were supposed to be his mate. And then it turns out he's all buddy-buddy with Hogan again. Apparently he never liked Sting, is all manipulation uh sting has been copying him he's copied his move he's copied his himself as a wrestler but he'll never be as good as him because he's the best there is there was and never will be all the usual stuff so yeah they've just been pummeling into each other and sting hasn't said a word all month uh, he's never cut a promo he's never said i i can't stand you or whatever it's just been brett giving out man.
0: fantastic a very good use of one of the most famous wrestlers in the world at that period Yeah, even even with us talking to me about what Brett's up to on the nitros on a weekly basis and sending notes, it just it's so contrived and weird and pointless. It's been very hard to follow. Uh, Match itself may be interesting again. Two big stars from the era. Uh, Sting comes down with the red face paint and uh, a new goatee, very stylish goatee, which looks very weird. And I also it looks dumb. I think. Yeah, and it looks. I thought it was funny because there's so many fake Sting storylines. So I'm like, hang on a second. That's a, no, that no, that's actually Sting. That's actually sting.
1: I'm glad we don't have to do that gimmick anymore. They're probably upset at him. He's like, man, we can't we can't just get anybody
0: now. Now they have to have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Farmer still in new New Japan. As fake Sting, right? He keeps that gimmick in New Japan. I'm pretty I sure. I wonder if you went to the red face paint. That'd be great. I <laughs> yeah. oh, imagine I bought so much white face paint. Why did change this <laughs> gimmick? God damn. Brett just does the classic delaying of the match. Uh, he's just stalling, jawing at fans. Very Hogan-esque walks, you know. Sting has uh, enough of it and eventually drags him in the ring. Uh, just as Sting as, as Brett gets hit by a soda. Someone throws a, <laughs> a drink at him just as Sting gets him, which is kind of funny. Both men slug it out for a while in the opening for a really slow place build. Out of nowhere, though, after a really slow, methodical opening and Brett's typical offense, Sting grabs uh, a shooter, just sweeps the leg, grabs a shooter, but is too close to the ropes uh, to finish the match. After a leapfrog by Brett, he crumbles and grabs his knee very convincingly. I actually thought it was an injury that I didn't know about. The ref pulls Sting off Brett, but... Uh, It was fake. It was a fake out all along, and he uses it to grab some brass knuckles out of his tights. He doesn't get a chance to use them because Sting hits him with a clothesline. When Sting tries to hit Brett with the knuckles, the ref blocks it, and it gives the hitman a chance to uh, low blow Sting. Again, I don't know why you have to be sneaky about low blows. No one else was during this entire pay-per-view. That was a very contrived spot for one low blow, but there you have it. After Brett brawls uh, for a while, uh, wearing down Sting, the ref accidentally gets hit by an elbow. Uh, And while down, Brett uh, hilariously just leg drops the ref on the back of his head. (laughs) Not sure sure why that's necessary. Also, this is mimicked in the next match by Hogan. Not sure why both men needed to do it in match after match. Hogan Hogan takes great joy in it, though. (laughs) He does. Hogan's just, like, smiling at the crowd while he does it. While the ref is down, they hit a superplex off the top, and they just fall on the ref just on the back of his legs. It, it was awkward, so painful. It was a really awkward spot too. They like, they go from three
2: different turnbuckles. Like, I thought they were just like lost or they like didn't know what the spot was or something. It was.
0: Yeah. They're, I think it's like, they decided like, Oh fuck the ref's in the way. Like just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. What? Just do it. Do it on the ref. <laughs> I'm going. <"Whoa." laughs> uh, Sting tries for a stinger splash, but knocks himself out. Brett doesn't move. Sting just overshoots the splash and knocks himself unconscious is what they're trying to say here.
2: Tony claims that there was a big noise yeah. that Sting like hit the pole. Uh, there's no noise. wasn't close.
0: And Sting is just, like, hanging on the ropes like he's dead. Like, if I was a paramedic, I'd be down there in an instant. Like, we've just killed Sting. Oh, no, no. <laughs>
1: what's, what's about to happen is is
0: killing Sting. <laughs> yeah, Brett just fucks him up with a bat. Just, like, hits him well, in the back a bunch Sting's of times. Sting's bat, which is the most powerful bat as we've Yeah, literally- in the world. Yeah. Like just hits him like isn't pulling them at all. Like then just slaps them in a sharpshooter. And the ref is like, yeah, that's an unconscious sting. I guess you win the match. <laughs> this was weird. What happened? This match was bad. Yeah. It's real like bad. really yeah. bad. That Neither man cared about it either. Like none of them ever upped the pace at all. It was so bad. I think sting
1: already thought he was on holidays. <laughs> well, uh, th- i was gonna bring this at the end but this is the last time
2: stings on the podcast actually
0: wow that's a shame his
2: next pay-per-view match is spring stampede of 99 like he's gone for a while jesus is this the worst brett match like maybe that like i've ever seen like i haven't seen like a lot of his like maybe lower profile matches but like this is definitely it's up there for me yeah it's garbage to me
1: (laughs) it's it's awful like i i mean it's not even because of the storyline because you can get past that, and you can still have a good match. They just, they don't care. You would think they would fit better together, but they really don't. It just nothing seems to pull off. And to be honest, Sting has come has come across as very, uh, very checked out. Him and Luger, in fairness, but Luger is basically not on shows, so I, I don't blame that, him. That makes sense.
2: I mean, it, Gus, like it's hard to ignore. The story and the characters. Oh, yeah, sure. Like even the commentary have a tough time calling this match. Yeah, because what is Brett's character? Like, why is he in WCW? Like, we still don't know. And it's been a year. Like, why is he so angry? Why is he hanging out with the NWO? Like, we kind of have reasons. But Brett doesn't. He's not the guy that's like that cheating heel that like stalls and like has brass knuckles, things like that. Like, he excels more with like it's WrestleMania 13. Brett, it's like vicious offense, figure four on the ring post, like that type of offense. This is just like, he's trying to be something he's not.
0: Yeah. And then at least like, I'm not actually the biggest breath fan overall. I think sometimes his matches can be a little slow, but they usually pick up and he's, he does undeniably have very good matches.
2: Yeah, and he excels like in the, the little things, like the expressions, yeah. like this is just like, he's just like, eh, I'm just whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh, neither men put any storytelling or care into the match. They never decide to just bump up the, you know, tempo for a couple minutes. They, I'd be very surprised if either of them cared about this match at all.
2: No, that was that was very I was very, I knew it wasn't a good match, but I didn't think it was like this bad. Like this was Yeah. This was egregious to me. It might
0: be the like the worst non squash match on the card. And this goes in two matches. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i give I'll give props to Billy Silverman for having a great nap during the match also. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no selling having two men fall that, on your legs. That one's up there from a uh, WrestleMania match between Hunter and Undertaker. Yeah. Where they managed to go through the entire arena like <laughs> without <laughs> the ref waking up.
0: Yeah, someone should check on those refs. It's, it's, not, it's, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's you, dangerous to be unconscious yeah. for that long. Like. You'd think the ref <laughs> would come out sooner, but...
0: Well. <laughs> Get a medic. That man might be dead. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. think that's, they'd stop the match or stop the pay per yeah. You would it. think they'd do something CT. about Sting getting absolutely annihilated. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, trying to kill him, might as well have took out a gun to sell this after the match. Sting is carried out in a stretcher, which I'm like, okay, fine. Obviously, St- I thought Sting was going to take some time off TV. I didn't know he took that long, whatever. But they show them go all the way to the ambulance. All oh, the way in the back. Yeah. Again, the main event that we miss is only fifteen minutes long. It takes them two minutes to get stained to the ambulance. Oh, but I guess like way more than two minutes. There's no way it's only two. <laughs> like, I guess they have to sell it because if you don't do this, then you're never going to believe when we show the ambulance that. Big Papa Pump isn't going <laughs> to jump out and beat the shit. Yeah. I was waiting for the end of Buff Bagwell being the ambulance.
1: <laughs> some weird shining reference of Buff Bagwell and Bill, Bill Clinton gear.
0: Yeah.
2: A minor annoyance, too, is where's the wolf pack? You know, where's, as you mentioned, Gus, like, where's, where's Luger?
0: Like, it doesn't care. he's I think not, he, his best friend Conan. would be there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> At least, yeah, bare minimum, Conan. Yeah. I can understand why Kevin isn't there. He's just after having this like really emotional yeah. match and, with his yeah emotional match former best friend. Like, well. and
2: Brett's not like he's kind of with the NWO, but he's not. So like, I don't expect anybody to be like in his corner. Really awful. It uh, awful. As, I, I hated this. Speaking of awful,
0: Hogan mm. versus ooh, Warrior, ooh, your, your mm. co-main event. As Hogan Even makes good stuff, <laughs> so this is a feud we've seen going on since the last pay per view we covered, and boy has it not got any more saying since we covered it. I'm going to let Gus explain because it's some really fun moments, and he's done the work of having to watch them, so I'll give him the joy of getting to tell them.
2: Gus, would you say his magic is
1: plus ten or minus ten? <laughs> it's 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 definitely degre- Oh man, you just. <laughs> They, they managed to figure out how to fool him as well with the magic. I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we come out after the pay-per-view. Hogan is sick of this bullshit. He wants Warrior one-on-one. He's tired of him being a coward. He will repeatedly call Warrior a coward over a month because he refuses to face him. Warrior comes out and says, by the end of this month, I'll have taken everything away from you, Hogan. I'm going to take your friends, your family, blah, blah, blah at the end of that, that show, he takes Disciple. Disciple disappears. He's whisked away under the, the guise of the smoke and then magically appears with Warrior by his side. On a later show, it's revealed that he is somehow brainwashed Disciple, I guess. And The Disci- second
2: member in the One Warrior, Warrior Nation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and all they do is he doesn't actually tell people that he's in the One Warrior Nation. He just has Disciple turn around and he's he's got a fancy new jacket. Disciple has a couple of matches, and he does actually explain his purpose. And he's like, oh, "I've been shown the light. I'm not some hanger on of Hogan's, which he clearly uh, is." Oh, don't
2: tell me, please don't stop.
1: <laughs> and he's like, "I I can stand on my own two feet." Blah blah blah. Hogan never even bothers to go after Disciple. He doesn't try to get him back, whatever. However, in the intervening period where they're trying to search for Disciple, Wario will appear and then disappear. And in one of them, Disciple shows up and then disappears again. And Hogan runs to the back to try and find him. And he thinks he's like walked into his dressing room and he goes in. He can't find him. And then (laughs) 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 they're, oh man, they're standing there. And it's really blatantly obvious that somebody uses a fire extinguisher (laughs) to fire into the room to do this, like, mystical thing so somebody can dis- come appear and disappear or whatever. Uh, it looks like they they full-on use a regular fire extinguisher, because Hogan does, like, is coughing a lot and choking on it. So that happens one week. Then after the Disciple stuff, he again sees Warrior, and he runs him in, into the back and he's chasing them and he runs into the room. And then he's looking in the mirror. And then to be fair to WCW, they do a really good job, it's a really good production job of putting Warrior in the mirror. Apparently, everybody in the arena that's watching it, and everybody, including Hogan and the announcers, except for Eric, can see Warrior in the mirror. Because Eric acts as if he cannot see anything. Meanwhile, Hogan is babbling to the Warrior in the mirror. He's like acting freaked out he's worried he he, like he sounds like he's bargaining with him at a certain point where he's like i'll do whatever it takes i'll do i'll do what 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 you need like kind of that kind of stuff and then like all warrior does is he just kind of smiles and laughs and then disappears again and there's no resolution to that it's never mentioned again (laughs) uh (laughs) so then a week before the pay-per-view somebody mentions horace before hogan does but he's like listen i'm gonna clear something up can we get horace out here and they bring him out. And they make this big deal. And he goes, what's your name? And he goes, my name's Horace Boulder. And he goes, no, no, you got to shoot, brother. Tell me your real name. And he's like, I'm Horace Hogan. And he's like, I'm your brother's uh, son. And he's like, yes, this is my dad brother's son. <laughs> um, you are my nephew. And he makes a big deal about blood being thicker than water. And he, he loves him. And he's so important to him. And he absolutely <laughs> annihilates him like the NWO even look a bit freaked out by this because of how crazy he's going. And Hogan basically ends up going, listen, this is what I'll do to my own flesh and blood. So what do you think I'm going to do to you warrior? Meanwhile, there's, they've had, they attempted to have a tag match. There was a really, really short thing, but there was a schmoz that ended up with warrior being knocked out. And they did do a spray paint for the first time in, I don't know, months. Hogan spray paints warrior while he's knocked out on the ground. Adding to the list. (laughs) Um, So yeah, there was all that. And then there was one bit where he's attacking the NWO and he's in the ring, but he's obviously losing the fight. So they, there starts to be a bit of smoke as if he's about to teleport out. So the NWO literally throw him out of the ring where there's no smoke. And so he can't be teleported. And you can see them literally like pointing to their heads going, we're smarter than you. Your magic only works in the smoke kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh... Ooh. So, that's so the, the
2: NWO had counter magic. <laughs> yeah. Force so will
1: All that's to say that, uh, this is a really, really high, uh, highbrow, very eloquently put storyline about good versus evil.
2: <laughs> now we, we kind of talked about the the initial promo from Warrior kind of you know, it had a decent crowd reaction. Like what is has I've read in in the like dirt sheets and other reviews that the
1: reception for Warrior is like really changed. Is that would you would you agree with that? They stopped giving him a live mic um <laughs> because <laughs> there is a promo that is done in the more old style WWF where he's just in a blank background and it is massively heavily edited. Like, like they can't hide how edited it is. Like it's really obvious when they cut him off and bring him back to a, a salient point. So yeah, they've, they've clearly gone, this is bad. Like he can't carry this part of the angle. So he, it's gone from like having all this stuff to do to he's not really involved. He doesn't really get much crowd reaction either, to be fair okay i don't think but he's not wrestling or anything so it's hard to mm-hmm. get attached to him
0: he's just so rambly I, I i i find it so hard to to get attached to a guy that's just spar- speaking so much nonsense consistently and it's not like funny short promos and stuff like that either it's not uh like that was a macho cream of the crop moment you know it's I can't even think of a great term for it. I, you just, I, I wouldn't be able to watch this product week in, week out if he was on it, I think.
2: Yeah, his his gimmick doesn't translate to the late 90s wrestling,
1: week to week, three-hour no. nitro format. He also has not got any better at
0: being in shape, cardio-wise.
2: Well, yeah, man, you know, he, so.
1: he got he
0: injured to fall brawl, so yeah. I have that note here, so in the entrances to the actual match... Get very typical stuff from Hogan, though they do show over his entrance, they show uh, him waffling Horace with the chair. And then uh, we get a very amped up warrior entrance, and he is gassed to fuck when he hits the ring. It's not even a long fucking run. I could run more than that. I'm, I'm really fat. You know, it's just like, how can he be so bad at having cardio? Like, what does he have no lungs? I don't understand.
2: Yeah, I can't really
1: defend that one.
2: You don't I, get I, muscles that
1: will... big by doing cardio, Dave. I guess <laughs> mm. that's true.
2: I, I wanted to mention on this edition of WCW screwing up small details. So th- this this time uh, it's Warrior's entrance. I think I, I have a bone to pick with this because I actually think his music is actually kind of cool, which is which is nice. Yeah. But like, what's up with the 10 second clip of nonsense in the beginning? It's <laughs> When when I listen on YouTube, sure, I can kinda tell what's going on, but like in the big arena, it just sounds like random, indistinguishable noises and clips being played.
0: Well, it meshes with the rest of the character then.
2: Oh, there you go. Sure. (laughs) But again, when when you distill it down to like the essence of a wrestling entrance theme, which is so important to a wrestler and to the audience, like let's let's run down all the great WWF things that you can think of. So Austin, breaking glass. Undertaker, gong, Vader, oh it's time, rock, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Brett, the, the guitar bent, And even the even Warriors uh WWF theme, like the It's very the, sudden. The, yeah, the it's very sudden. It hits you immediately. You know what who's coming out.
0: Oh, you didn't know?
2: There you go. Another another perfect one. So I, I think they really miss the cause. I think Warrior he hits his cue perfectly. He sprints at the right part when like the, the guitars like really start to hit in more. Like there's like a, a little silence too, so it's like a good good starting off point. But like they could have cut like 15 seconds out of the intru- Like the music entrances like really are not like that that careful like thought out plan thing by WCW. Yeah. Other than like Goldberg, because like with guys like these, like Warrior and Goldberg, like their entrances need to be 10 out of 10 because they're. In ring abilities are like are really lacking, so you you have to put a shine on them in, in a different way. And I thought that was a little bit of a little bit of a letdown. But I know like entrances evolve, so I guess I, I shouldn't be able to expect too much out of this. But it's something that really annoyed me because like Warrior's entrance was always like the the best part of okay,
0: of yeah. his gimmick. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I have a note note here to start the match: an insane amount of stalling. An insane encounter. Yeah, but I was
2: letters. expecting it. Yep.
0: Hogan gets in his early licks and jaws with the crowd, asking who the man is over and over. They have a knuckle lock on for three minutes. Middle of the ring, Warrior on his knees, Hogan holding his hands.
1: It's us test of strength. It's called it, call it correctly, all right? <laughs> test of
0: strength. Well, it would be, but he started it with, with the guy on the ground already, right? Just for like. Three minutes straight, Hogan talking to the crowd, test of strength, Warrior on his knees. It was painful to watch. Warrior hits a body slam in the clothesline and fires up. And they, they managed to slow down the match even more by brawling on the outside. Slower than a three-minute test of strength. A very half-hearted ref bump. As they run the ropes, Hogan kind of just taps Nick Patrick. But then he just starts putting some knees to the back of his head, with a look of joy on his face, and calls down his cronies. Giant is the first, but misses with the big boot and hits Hogan. Commentary uh, make the make the point that Giant is very off target tonight. Oh, yep. <laughs> Warrior clears house and tries to pin, but the ref is still dead. Hogan gets control again, and then uh, and the belt whippings come. This isn't a disqualification off Nick Patrick, who uh, who gets up, but just stops it. And uh, commentary again point out that they want the resolution to this match. So he's allowed to hit him with the belt. Warrior rolls out of the way of an elbow drop, but doesn't stop rolling. <laughs> like, like Sonic the Hedgehog or something like that. And it's just rolling around the ring, hits Hogan's leg, and Hogan doesn't know what to do, so just sells it like a bump. And the commentary like, oh, very clever sweep by Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> what? what now it's Warrior's time to hit uh, Hogan with the belt, including wrapping it up in his fist and punching Hogan with it. Now the very notorious, the spot we've all been waiting for of the night. I completely forgot about this because I was so fixated on the DDP kind of blunder, the, the cable blunder. Hogan's missed fireball. He gets the kit to do one of those fake wrestling fireballs to, to Warrior's face and just doesn't light it, attempts to throw it, misses the throw, and it just lights in his hand and he shakes it away. Commentary played off very well, saying that Warrior's are so lucky and this is the depths that Hogan will go to, try and burn a man to beat him. But the match is dead from that point. They both might as well leave the ring. It's just so... The crowd's laughing. So yeah. bad.
2: You could see one fan even say like what the fuck was that?
0: It's so brutal. Like I I'm not a big fan of the Fireball spots in general, uh but it was uh it was atrocious.
1: Production doesn't no favors by doing a close up of him taking out the baggie. <laughs> yeah. The little and baggie full him, of garbage. Yeah. And making him look like a junkie. Uh <laughs> just saying. <out> for <of> <laughs>
2: no i i agree dave i think the only fireball i think i'd like is the the photographer on hogan with the the yoko match
0: yeah yeah that that's decent one yeah i I remember a a story out of this period of mankind convincing china gets fireballed i think by kane at some stage somewhere around this era yeah
2: i do not remember
0: that and she's like terrified though because this can go wrong like it's a simple enough thing it's a flash paper yeah like you're throwing it into someone's face you can get burned <laughs> and she's like oh it's definitely not gonna burn it's definitely gonna burn me right and uh, I think it's mankind and Kane are like no 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 it's a gimmick paper it will work and it definitely does just burn her face a little bit <laughs> they feel so bad afterwards but uh yeah I, I don't get like I don't get why you'd bring this old gimmick back this fireball thing I never got Hogan using stuff like this it doesn't really fit his does it fit his character really a fireball no
2: not at all no Uh, at least it was
0: good foreshadowing yeah the comedy plays it off and uh, we get a low blow by Hogan and a leg drop Horace is out with the chair but Warrior is busy hulking up in the ring and no selling everything Bish is out and he just sticks a headlock on the referee as a distraction just fully grabs his head and then Horace comes in the ring and hits Warrior with a chair that's enough to finish the match apparently post match Horace and Hogan hug he tells him that he passed the test, that the chair was a test, and they attempt to set Warrior on fire.
2: They put, I did not know this was a part of the match.
0: <laughs> they put lighter fluid on him, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Doug Dillinger has to run out and stop it. But they don't like really stop it. They're just like, you shouldn't do this. The moral COVID.
1: compass of WCW is <laughs> Doug <Yeah>. Dillinger. <laughs> we're
2: not, yeah, we're not going to stop Bret Hart with a bat, you know, and trying to kill <laughs> yeah. somebody. Fire! That's too far.
1: That's
0: too <laughs> far. But they don't, they don't like physically really stop them. They're just like, you shouldn't do this. And Eric's like, it's my company or whatever. I do what I want. I'm like, no, you don't get to murder in person because you <laughs> own a TV company. <laughs> and then they're just like you know what actually we won't burn him al- no one's really stopped us but we're not gonna burn him alive like that's that's too far where is his disappearing smoke now when he needed <laughs> when he needed a most yeah <laughs> he needs to be conscious for that obviously yeah his, uh,
2: his magic bar was drained
0: fucking just atrocious my god is the this one-
2: the worst wcw to match of all time because I've heard the point like the you know whole negative 5 star rating with all that nice. all that bullshit. Did you guys really groan after you watched I mean it's hard because like I I've never watched this match but obviously I knew what happened. We've seen so much shit before this that I'm like mm. I'm not really that let down. <laughs> I, it, I don't it was just a weird feeling. I I don't I'm not sure what to feel.
1: Everything from the from the raft bump I think is just such a mistake and all you can really do is laugh at it it's totally taking you out of any form of like suspense of disbelief or anything. Amazingly, the first pretty much up to the ref bump, that's them re repeating their WrestleMania match. I I actually went and watched it and they repeated like lots of the spots. Um, Yeah. The crisscross and the the crisscross, the the test of strength, strength, the fall to the outside. He doesn't fake the injury this time. Well, he doesn't have the injury this time, Um, but they even copy the ring turnbuckle spot. Like they bra on the outside, they do the turnbuckle bit in uh, WrestleMania. Like it's all it the, the first half of that match is all meant to be like echoing the WrestleMania match. But it just falls apart. I just yeah, I mean pretty much like Warrior has no cardio, he has no ability to do anything, and it's left up to Hogan to do this. And I mean Hogan was i guess was capable of it back then but by now he's just smoking mirrors to begin with so like what are they gonna do but stupid shenanigans with belts and a fireball which it's just i mean me
2: i mad. agree with dave if you're gonna do this the stupid distraction spots, like can bischoff not just headlock the ref come on yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: just full-on headlock the ref.
2: like like that kind of lazy interference like fine on a random nitro and a bullshit match, but not in like your big pay-per-view match that you're building up towards as like a generational you know, dream match.
0: I would have liked if the ref suplexed Bischoff back in.
1: <laughs> Nick Patrick, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. just
0: just go into business for himself. Yeah. It's just so poorly structured, even if everything went off without a, a hitch.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I tried to think about that too. Like if the fireball spot even went well, like the, the ch- you know, horse coming in with a chair, does that really match to just end then? If you actually blind the guy. So I, I don't know if it was just like a, they had to improvise the ending or, or what.
1: No, I don't think so. I think that's what they wanted.
2: It was just garbage. Probably thinking too much about it. But what say you guys? Like, is this the
0: worst? Is this yeah. like
2: top I, five worst?
0: So I came in with zero expectations and they disappointed me. It's just. <laughs> I, I don't like either a wrestler involved in this match particularly. I know Hogan is able yeah. for some stuff. They've both proven they can get an okay match out of each other from the from the WrestleMania bout. It's horrible and it's taking attention from good things in the pay per view uh, in the pay per view and in the company. And yeah, it's it, 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 it's hard to believe it could have gone any worse. <laughs> you know, I guess it
2: could have gone worse because this could have been the main event, and that's something to point out that. Is this the first pay per view that we've had that Hogan's not in the last yeah, I'm match?
1: Honestly, surprised it's not the main event. To be
0: yeah, yeah, it might be. I feel like we had this conversation once before, but it's certainly the first or second. You know, yeah, it'd yeah be per-
2: and they make the right call too.
0: Yeah, it would be pretty insane if they had uh, if they didn't have Goldberg going on last for this one.
2: It's always an interesting discussion too, because as everybody points to you know, Rock and Hogan should have went on last. It's like I, I, I understand like the each each pay-per-view has to have like some kind of nuance you have to be able to tell i mean they wcw knew that this this angle was just dead in the water so yeah uh, props props to them for making the correct decision
0: also usually in those kind of spots when you say something like x should have went on last the majority of the time that's hindsight right like hogan hogan rock should not have gone on last in anything but they didn't with, know yeah they didn't know the crowd was going to be yeah dead. they it just overperformed there. in the crowd got into this nostalgia run of Hogan that no one expected so that shouldn't have gone on us it just happened that if we had perfect I've, information I've, we could have put we could research the a card I have
1: it somewhere burned in the back of my brain I don't have any proof but apparently I think they did know that it was going to happen like oh okay fair, fair. he'd gone to a meet and greets or something and he was getting like major major heat and they were like shit <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, then maybe it should have changed. And yeah, they, just, got-
1: they just sent Hunter and Taker out to die after them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: we also know that uh, obviously Hogan's a notorious politicker. So getting around that kind of stuff, or I don't know if he was fine with it or not. I don't know the stories coming out from it. But getting past that and making sure the correct match went on last. Also, the the next match would mean more for the future of the company than this current match, I think, as well.
2: Yeah, it's weird too. We don't see Hogan wrestle until our last episode, which is oh. odd. Oh, fantastic.
0: I mean, a oh, shame. Well, I'm sure I'll get to see uh, that story.
2: Do you, do you know what his storyline is the next over the next few months? No. This is where he de-
1: declares his uh,
0: presidency, right?
2: Presidency,
1: yeah. Hmm. Well, like kayfabe or? They make it seem real at least. So to <laughs>
2: Who knows? Who knows? As a kid, no, as a kid I knew I knew it was a work
1: as a kid. It was a definite um We're obviously joking. No, that's like um, that's no, Dave, that's exactly what well, it yeah, is. Yeah, is correct, yeah. But it, it's a real like we're obviously joking unless we're not.
0: Oh, <laughs> like, um, maybe it's one of those we'll make it a storyline but if anyone were to approach us <laughs> about HBO yeah. president
2: I, Yeah, but I just wanted to like set the stage of like what Hogan's career is at, at this point, like we had this terrible match. It's like, Oh, I'm going to be run for the president of the United States. Like, that's what we're going into, into 1999. Did, think about
0: that does he as we go into pro, that episode does he quit some promos as end, Like, does he go NWO president <laughs> new world order president because then I'd love this actually. <laughs> that'd be too clever no, yeah. right. he
2: actually goes on like the Jay Leno show and like talks like tries to talk about politics and stuff
0: no that's horrible it's gonna be such I a th- good gimmick let I me tell he, you something Jay
2: <laughs> yeah I think he asked him like oh, are you gonna run as a democrat or republican he's like oh I haven't decided yet or something like that it's, <laughs> that's how politics that's how politics <laughs> should work what policies you mood. got Hulk yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the vitamins, vitamins for everyone.
2: Yeah. Wow. Thoughts on the warrior though?
0: H- horrible run. Gla- worse like, than
2: worse than Piper though? Worse than Piper. Ah, uh, easy, yeah.
0: yeah easy okay. worse than Piper. Piper also, while he's bad, seems to care and have a notion of what his character is. He got some uh, good
1: moments out of Piper.
0: Yeah. Sure. This is. I just,
1: think Piper was just bad timing. Yeah. Ooh, a warrior okay. is comedy, but it's not meant to be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So. Yeah, P- Piper can still try and put a semblance of a match on. He's had some okay promos. He's tried somewhat to put over some guys. So, is this his last like WCW appearance? Or like, I know no he more, only has a few.
2: No more WCW matches. I know he appears on Nitro the next day, and I believe that's it.
0: We are done. Yeah, horrible har- on start to finish. I'd waste yeah. some money. Yeah, what, what an absolute waste mm-hmm. of money. There's a lot of things, you know, they speak of the financial failures of WCW, but this might be the biggest waste of money. Like, I, I don't like Piper as a purchase either. There's obviously they blow budget on just, like, matching people's contract and Jay Leno. But I, I see a lot of logic to the other stuff they're doing, whether it's correct or not. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't know what they're thinking about getting warrior involved it's also not like he all of a sudden became unstable and not great to work with he was actually known for that being those things so what what changed what what hubris did you have to think will be the ones to get great performances out of warrior (laughs) that are worth that money you know just wanted that job back that's all did I, i think i told you guys this in the last episode but in case i didn't i i watched a little youtube uh clip about uh the comic books he put out. Did you ever see the comics he put yeah, out? Yeah, I I think OSW did them all at one stage. Oh yeah. my God. They're so bad. Holy I did, shit. They're bad.
2: I did not know. I did not know they were a thing until, until that video. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so fun. Or just like him in one of the episodes going, you know, looking for new artists, someone who won't basically be a dick and make me pay them. <laughs> it's just, so, he's so, a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. It's just... yeah I'm, I'm glad I won't have to cover him again in our timeline.
2: Yeah, thankfully it was only one match that we had to do. Yeah. No.
0: Sorry,
1: uh, sorry, Gus. You had to see him multiple. Times. I mean I only, I only, like he barely wrestled <laughs> on Nitro. Okay. So all right. Then fuck you, Gus. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I wasn't complaining about that. I got my entertainment okay. yeah, with, <laughs> with the fire extinguisher. Good, good. Yeah, we we got some we got some nonsense, so that's why I'm like, eh,
2: was it the worst WCW match of all time? I don't know. I was kind of entertained by laughing at it a little
0: bit. We're going to move on to our real main event of the night. Buffer is out to introduce. That's that's so how you know it's the real main event. Buffer is out to introduce Goldberg and DDP. Challenger is out first, and as far as I know, uh, as DDP comes out here, this is when the feed cuts for a bunch of people for DDP's entrance. I yeah, think. around around here,
2: like some of it, like uh, cuts for the end of the Hogan match, and yeah, and then others, it's like during the the entrances.
0: Imagine making it through the Hogan match and not getting to
2: watch this. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, that that that's how you that's why I think World War Three is such a low buy raise, just because it's the fallout from this pay-per-view. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably why the yeah, eventually they start losing fans. Like it's such a start, stark drop off in the next couple months.
0: I can imagine. The the gargoyle holding the pumpkin looks even better somehow for Goldberg's entrance. It's a very cool backdrop for it.
2: His entrance is so
0: money. Mm. Yeah, it's so yep. good. Crowd are insanely hot for this uh, from the open. On both men's side as well, Like there's huge cheers for DDP. And if they had uh, done a title change here, I could see a huge crowd reaction. Not saying they should or shouldn't. DDP keeps trying to lock up with Goldberg at the start, but gets thrown back into corner corner again. Starting the matches really kind of page showing he isn't afraid to get into Goldberg's face and he's not going to back down even though he's out muscled. Both men tumble to the outside, brawling in the ref breaks them up and makes them get back in the ring, which is a, an interesting kind of choice. You know, fair in the ring. You're both faces. I can tell you to do this. Get back in the ring. Early Diamond cutter attempt by DDP, but Goldberg simply shrugs it off and throws him out of the ring. Launches
2: him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure DDP bumped like he was a fucking boss just to, to make it look even better. But yeah, I, I, love, I love that beginning dynamic that like DDP is just trying to fire through it. He's trying to just like be the people's champ, trying to pump himself up to go against this giant, but just like, oh, fuck. I'm going to beat this guy.
0: He tells a great story with his body language. He gets like some really nice chain wrestling in, and Goldberg chain wrestles a bit back, but simply throws him out, which I think is great. I think Goldberg tries to over-wrestle in his very career a lot. Just throw people around. It's what the fans want. Page just uh, is this constant movement at the start of the match. He hits a Russian leg sweep into flips it into a pin and when it's kicked out of just goes straight into a front face lock and while it's a really short combination it, it just does show kind of the urgency in the champion and gets a lot out of Goldberg.
2: Yeah good job by commentary there that they like Whoa a pin attempt on Goldberg that's
0: that's rare. Yeah. Yeah it's nice they they, they build them up nicely in this match. Goldberg starts to take apart DDP big slams in his throws and just throwing them around the ring. Tilt the World by Paige which uh popped me. But Goldberg pops right back up and just super kicks DDP into the corner. In the corner, Goldberg charges full speed, like lightning fast to try and hit like a spear in the corner. but DDP flips out and uh, Goldberg goes flying through the ropes and hits the post. In an interview with DDP later, he would say that Goldberg uh, he asked Goldberg to take this spot slower. And he didn't, and he insists that if he didn't move, Goldberg would have broke his ribs, and that uh, he thinks Goldberg got concussed from this spot, from hitting the ring posts, which I didn't get any verification from, but that is what Paige has said in interviews.
2: When we get into uh, one of the other spots, there's, um, there's a reason for why like, DDP believes that he just wasn't with it.
0: Yeah. A double down on DDP mo- uh, motions for the diamond cutter. But as he turns around, he just eats a full-on spear, which I thought was uh, very nicely timed by boatman The injured shoulder from the ring post means Goldberg can't follow up straight away. Uh, after another double down, Goldberg goes for the jackhammer, but can't. And on a second attempt, Page reverses it into a diamond cutter for another uh, count by uh, for boatman
2: And that was that was the moment. It was supposed to be like a two point nine count. Yeah. But like Goldberg just like kicks out like early too. yeah, yeah. DDP is like what the fuck man oh wait you're concussed okay yeah he,
0: as long as you kicked out at all this is fine this is yeah. fine page crawls uh, over and covers only gets the two as uh as connor points out page tries for a suplex but goldberg immediately uh reverses into a jackhammer pretty precarious as well probably a good, another sign that he's concussed he has to like stabilize it for a bit before hitting it because i think he was about to overshoot it uh, and he retains off that jackhammer for a very brief but largely entertaining match. What do, what do you guys think of the main event? This is Goldberg's best match, without, without a yeah. doubt.
1: DDP has obviously been like taught by Randy Savage to plan everything down to the last second, which totally suits him, and it really, really suits Goldberg. And it's a shame, probably, when you think of other stuff he's done in the future, that he probably would benefit from this. Because this is all really well structured, they knew what they were doing. There was a definite flow, and it it all pays off. So yeah, great match.
2: I'm impressed with things that like I, I didn't know about this match because I've, I've I think I've seen the the ending like thousands of times in clips and things like that. Yeah, watching the whole match, I was really impressed with Goldberg selling, and that was something I was not ready for. So selling the like he sells his arm mainly from the going into the post spot. And that was just, I didn't think Goldberg was even capable of that. But I think the most of all with six out in this match of what makes it so great. I think it's just compared to the rest of the show. Cause the show was just so like lackluster in this aspect was the emotion like both guys, like DDP was just, like fucking fired up to the gills. I'm like, yeah. dude, this is, I am, I have a title shot. This is, this is awesome. Like he's embracing the moment. Same thing with Goldberg. Like He's like, I'm not giving this fucking title up to to, to this guy. Um, I mean, both guys respect each other, but still, like it it felt like a legit battle, and like they just, it felt like a big title match. And it's it's just something that like we don't really get on these WCW pay per views. It just feels like, ah, eh, we're gonna go through the motions, and, and oh look, we won again, type of thing. Laugh it off, no big deal. This one's just like, no, this is a big deal. It's two top baby faces going against each other, and usually those don't matches don't really work too well but wcw probably their two best matches off the top of my head baby face versus baby face matches for the title the other one being ironically ddp in in the match as well versus sting it's nice to have a finish for once a clean finish no bullshit in it so that that also helps
0: yeah I, i don't think i have much more to add than you guys did this is just a very good match by far goldberg's best maybe one of his maybe his best match ever period like new run older and whatever you can uh,
2: even say ddp too i i do yeah. I, I, I think i like this, it i like this better than the the savage matches i think i think this yeah, is I, probably his peak
0: i, I want to see I, i've heard the the four-way match is quite good later when he wins the title
2: yeah the, and that's fair i i have i do not know that run at all so no, i'm same. willing maybe we can revisit that at some point but i don't know do, do we think ddp should have won this
0: It'll be really interesting because it's going to put it on a guy that can carry matches way better. And I think DDP is also really hot. I can understand wanting to keep it on Goldberg because he is obviously super over. He's maybe the most over thing there besides DDP. But, it's a, yeah, it's a bad situation where you have both these faces, both of them you probably need to capitalize on soon, and it's hard to say when you should pull the trigger on it. I would have liked to see DDP, but I know I'm a bit biased. I'm a huge DDP fan. And you know what happens kind of later and that he's carrying yeah, company a lot.
2: and That's what gets me. You know, if, if I didn't know the future of like how bad they handle the next few months, I, I think keeping it on Goldberg was the correct decision. They probably
1: do the exact same thing, even if it's DDP with the belt.
0: The issue I have uh, is it's really hard to take. So he's a very unique type of face, Goldberg. This kind of unbeatable face so you need kind of heels to cheat to take it off him. And that's never going to be a great reaction. You're always going to feel like the unbeatable face was, uh, was cheated and you're going to get a weird reaction from that. Where actually having another like underdog face beat him for it. Might've been the best way to take the title off him. Like might be the only way people aren't just hopping mad that the title was taken off him was having DDP take it.
2: Yeah, that's a fair point. I think it's just the timing's weird because this is Goldberg's like, what? Like, first like legit title defense a match that like has a finish because like we didn't mention like he goldberg wrestled sting but had a bullshit finish for some reason hogan inter- interrupts the match which makes no sense i don't i still don't get it do they ever even talk about that gus or no
1: no not really <laughs> perfect awesome <laughs> yeah, they don't really go you know
2: pay-per-view match there too just yeah the just it away,
1: and then i don't think they get the winner wrong here i think page is just unlucky yeah, because that's a good way to put it. like you can't you can't plan for Goldberg to come along. So yeah. I mean you just have to write it whenever those kind of lightning bolt moments appear. So I think they're doing the correct thing. Now, they're probably just not doing it correctly in the in the long run, but cuz Page will be there is I think is what they know in their heads. It's like look, we can get Page back here. There's That's also true. There is the possibility that when when the Gold, when Goldberg loses, that's it. And you can't get, get him back like so I I don't blame them for keeping it on him. I I also have to give him like major props for basically running the feud by himself because Goldberg is basically not on the shows. He doesn't wrestle nearly as much and there's very little interaction between them. So he has to build the, the feud just by promo work. And he's able to do a pretty good job because there's not a lot there, but he acknowledges that. He's like, listen, it's not the usual thing. I can't build up some sort of inbuilt rage in me to figure out why I'm going to beat this person. I have to just work off of my insane work ethic and competitive drive and stuff here. I know you're the best. I want to be the best kind of thing. So yeah.
2: also fair to WCW as well. I think they did this, you know, this is a very kind of like schoolyard type of argument that they have of like which finisher is the best. Yeah. And yeah, I that's think very that's, true. that's a great way to build this match. Cause like probably the two most over finishers are these two guys as finishers. So it's there's not much else story elements to, yeah. to touch on. And they they kind of did that crappily with the Bret Hart and Sting match. It's like they both have the same finisher, and they they kind of try to build it up, but it just doesn't have the same appeal, just because it's a you know submission finisher here.
0: What's really interesting about this match, I think, is this is their Hogan versus Warrior moment as a company. This is these are our biggest baby faces. These will probably be our biggest baby faces for the next like ten years if we stay in business. You know, like this is cool for the fans cause we never really do it. And this is really showing who's the best, you know, who's really like got it. Who's the top baby face. And it goes on after a rehash of Hogan versus warrior that goes down like a lead balloon. And this does great. This is really showing where the future of the company should be. And it's so sick that 20% of people who bought it, didn't even get to see it. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's really interesting to say, what ifs and, uh, and fantasy book this, but I, I think I'll agree with Gus, and your decision in the moment is good. I would say I don't think there's a bad decision to be made here. I think if either of them had walked out with the title, the fans would have reacted great, and it adds to both of them. I think the finisher versus finisher thing's very really interesting, because Goldberg doesn't have much to beat in people anymore, but he kicked up from the diamond cutter. Like, is there many people that have kicked out of the diamond cutter that you can think of? No, it's probably it. No, it's probably it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it might just be Goldberg. So he got to put another feather in his cap while beating DDP, while DDP still looks strong, where if you if you had gone to match the other way, it still looks fine. Like Goldberg gets beaten by the unbeatable finisher, and you have your people's champ as they said it be the be the champion. There's no bad outcome besides the outcome that happened of not having it on certain people's te- televisions. The only bad outcome was what actually happened, I guess.
2: But I got to watch it on Nitro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's true. Uh, <laughs> Now, would have you seen 72 replays of it anyway on Nitro? possibly. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. But yeah, it's it's so hard to believe these people were these two guys were so over, and you know, we we know what happens in the next few years to this company. So at the end of the pay per view here, I gotta ask the question we do all the time what do you think of the pay per view overall and whose side are you on? Connor, would you go first, please?
2: Well, looking at the talent on the card, you would have to say like this show has to be a major disappointment because you just look at this card, look at the Hall of Fame talent on this card. And in the context of 1998, I think this is one of the better shows solely, you know, in WCW land for our podcast, because the main event, it was something it was something new. It was different. It was wasn't a rehash. It wasn't Hogan beating monsters again. I don't know. I'm very thumbs in the middle for this show. It's like, I I actually do like a lot of aspects into it. I wish you can kind of like make a new edit of this show into like a nice, like two hour show. And it might actually be be
1: perfect. I'd say
2: (laughs) something, something like that. So I, I, I'm actually not too down on the show. Obviously the main event changes a lot of things. Usually we're so down on the main event. And finally for once we have like one of the better main events and the main events, obviously the best match. So uh, I'm I'm actually pretty happy with the show, and this is very nostalgic. I remember the hype around this pay per view, and it it I I think it it hits in some points, and it let me down in other points. We saw him on DDP, probably got the best match from Goldberg. He really stepped it up again. It, it seems like we say that every time when he's given the spotlight. So it kind of it, it kind of floors me in a, in a way. They didn't he wasn't given the shot to be a top guy sooner, but I understand being playing it safe
0: with Goldberg. And how about you, Gus? What did you think of the pay per view overall? And whose side are you on?
1: Yeah, I would echo a lot of what Connor said. Going into this, after having watched all the shows, I was really, really afraid that this was going to be a terrible, terrible show. <laughs> so for it to come out like it did, with two of the main four matches being decent to good, and then like the undercard is inoffensive and maybe it's not necessary, but it, it's still it's still solid wrestling. Like it's watchable. It definitely comes across as a better pay-per-view than than expected. Since since he picked DDP, I've, DDP would be, would be my first choice. It's quite clear this is a, a high, high point for him. So beyond that, it's got to be Kev for me. Kev was in a good storyline. He wrestled well. Might be because I know where it's going. <laughs> so there's bigger things ahead for Kev. But at the moment, I think he has held his own in terms of carrying that part of the show. And then also from the NWO, but the other side, uh, Scott Steiner, actually. Uh, I really enjoyed Scott's stuff. Uh, he's finding his feet with his character and he's getting real close to the form that he's going to be when he eventually becomes world champion. So it's going to be interesting. I know there's not many pay-per-views left in the run, so I don't think we're going to quite get there. But it be interesting to see how he adds to it as he goes
0: absolutely fair yeah overall another unenjoyable pay-per-view for me maybe a two or three out of ten with a 10 out of 10 set and as for whose side am i on i'd say the four horsemen because they might keep the nwo away from the main event for a while i hope <laughs> that's us for another edition of the wcw versus nwo podcast follow us on social media and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under handle WCW vs. NWO Podcast. Connor, where else can they find us?
2: Patreon.com slash WCW vs. NWO Podcast. If you would like to support us for just only $1, you can get access to a bunch of bonus episodes, also some nice little flashbacks, a bunch of great content we have over there. It's over on Patreon.
0: From me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening and join us next time when I need three rings to contain all the action.